Hello, 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 hello. It's good to see you. Say hello. Welcome to the Huskies Hockey Podcast. Weldy and Andrew here, uh, set to recap uh, a uh, mixed bag weekend uh, for both the men's and the women's squad. Uh, the men end up uh, losing five to one on uh, Friday, coming back with a four four tie on Saturday, uh, capped off with a shootout victory. Uh, so, so uh, much rejoicing on that one. And there was much rejoicing. Uh, and then uh, the women uh, dropped the uh, the first game against uh, Minnesota State two to one uh, before coming back four to two uh, for the victory there on on Saturday. So uh, let's kick it off here talking about the men, um, Andrew. And I was just you know kind of after everything just collapsed in in utter blaze of i don't even want to say glory like it i like it was just a fantastic implosion of where the hell did this come from and you know we we kind of went back and forth as we were texting and you know just the last time that uh St. Cloud got clobbered for 5 goals in a period and it turns out the last time was at North Dakota, and I was in the stands for that game uh, when uh, they uh, rattled off uh, five, five goals at goals at the Ralph in the first period, and um, you know the game was over essentially before the puck drop. Uh, they waited till the second period to utterly collapse there on Friday, um, and just what I, like. I could best describe as not being able to get out of second gear because everyone just looks slow, disinterested, and absolutely terrible. And then the third, I just kind of chalked it up as who gives a crap because I didn't anymore. Yeah, it was, it, it, they, that was a, a bad, bad period. The worst period they've played all year. And I, I, I would go back to like the worst period in a decade. Like, I honestly can't think of a worse period than that. I mean, maybe, like, as far as, like, big games go, like, sure, you can pinpoint other ones, but, like, just from a sheer disinterested point of view, how bad everything looked, top to bottom, that was, that was the worst. And coming on the heels off of a, I thought, pretty solid first period. Very good. Very good first, yeah. And, And getting a late lead. You know, mm-hmm. um, one positive that we'll we'll touch on for this weekend is I think they may have found something with this uh, Ingram, a coin and gross line, uh, a coin and gross in particular hooked up for two goals on the weekend. Very nice passes in each case by gross setting up a coin with some nice uh, with a nice shot and beating Matt Davis uh, kind of breakaway partial breakaway on the on that connection on Saturday, but it was nice to get a a one, nothing lead in a period that you played them pretty tight. And with them coming out, the one, nothing lead felt like you kind of won that period, that second period. And it really kind of started the tail end of the first. And this is similar to the Saturday game, how both games shifted 
pivotal turning point with the Zach Okabe penalty. Mm-hmm. It, the first first period, that was the second of two offensive zone penalties for the Huskies in that period, the first period alone. I think they had another one in the Friday game and one another one. They had four or five penalties, either in the offensive zone or their half of the rink, like their well, portion of the neutral zone, which was well, uncharacteristically un uh, disciplined by this you're talking about you're talking about the last period of the first or the last or the first period the last couple of minutes right or the last minute yes okay yeah, so, so the broadcast had that wrong okabe served the penalty because it was um dominic bassey got the interference penalty because it, the the puck was cleared out and anhorn went for a, just a terrible line change and Denver was pressuring and basically Bassey kind of coughed up the puck and then attempted to hold the, the uh, Denver player back. You're right. So. Yeah. I'm looking at the box score now and it is a penalty credited Bassey. This is a CBS game. Sometimes don't play good replays with that. So I missed that. I just saw that it was, it was Okabe in the box. Yeah. But, so, so that wasn't Okabe, um, but it was, it was definitely Bassey aided by Anhorn, just a, a lazy. Maybe they played a change. replay. Maybe they played a replay with Okabe because I could have sworn even Starman said it's another offensive zone penalty. But if you're saying that was a play oh, by Bassey, yeah. it's clearly in the defensive zone, obviously. If, yeah, he clearly he clearly got it wrong. And they even kept repeating it in the second period. But if you listen to the ref, they even say number 31. Okay. Two minutes. Yeah. Well, thank you for thank so, you for that. In yeah. either case, it was a penalty that had negated. So St. Cloud scores the goal. Then Denver mm-hmm. takes a penalty about 10 seconds later put St. Cloud on the power play. But then that that penalty is negated by what I'm now gathering from my astute co-host is a, a Dominic, a rare goalie penalty. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, from that point on, so because of that, you're playing four on four to start the second, and then Denver goes on its power play. You keep taking penalties after the, the goals start with Rizzo's power play goal. Lukey takes a, a penalty, a high-sticking penalty. Um, actually that was after the second goal for Denver, you know, and, uh, two penalties for Lukey in the, in the second period, Wiley also with another penalty. Um, so two power play goals, but the, they used the momentum. It was almost like a basketball game where the momentum, this was like the hockey equivalent of a three Oh run, uh, that second period for Denver, because once they, once they had the momentum, which I think was started the second period when it was four on four. And St. Cloud really never got it back. And even though, like the, the big backbreaker was them to take, uh, giving up a shorthanded goal. So the special yeah. teams just in general was just a disaster that made it four to one. And then for the cherry on top, uh, they scored the power play goal in the waning seconds of the second period off, off the uh, second Lukey penalty that period. And, you know, it was basically over after the fourth goal. And that one was just the cherry on top. And as you said, third period is largely just garbage time. and you just except for a Carl challenge, which except for a Carl a, challenge, a five to one was just an ultimate heel move for him to do. I'm supposed from his perspective, maybe you get a guy kicked out for Saturday. Why not? <laughs> not going to hurt if we burn our time out five minutes to go in a, in a, in a route. Why the hell not? I suppose the, the luxury of having a four goal lead in late in the third period and a timeout to, to burn to boot. So, yeah. uh, yeah, it was, yeah, I remember a couple of years ago, the the year that Denver won their last national title, that I 
that year I sort of branded Denver as looking like a sports car. In this period, that second period, they look like a train, like just an unbeatable force. And yes, but like, Cloud, a, like, like a Japanese high rail. It's a bullet train. Yeah, yeah. Like, like like not an Amtrak. No crap no. that we have here. Like just like an incredibly efficient. Yeah. High speed. High speed. Yeah. High speed rail. And yes, St. Cloud, as we said, played their worst period of the year. You have to get Denver a little bit of credit, too. I mean, they looked very good as well. It took advantage of the breaks that they were getting and, you know, had a team that they kind of sensed was down, smelled the blood in the water, and they pounced. And they were a very good team. And coming into Saturday, it was worrisome. How how was St. Cloud going to pick off pick themselves off, off the mat? How confident were you in that because just the way that it all transpired on on friday didn't give me a ton of confidence going into saturday correct and the main reason why it didn't give me confidence is just how slow we looked and how slow i thought the defensive what defense were compared and i was just coming off the heels of a podcast praising how well our defensive is and how our structure is and how great it is toss that all out the window after this weekend um denver really exposed um that you know playing that up-tempo style and up-tempo speed kind of gets us out of position and again credit denver all weekend or all year what they've been able to do is connect on those backdoor passes and they're just such a strong team when it comes to that and they shoot with a purpose to you know and it's yeah they're able you know once they get people kind of teams out of the rhythm over committing find someone on the back door and then it's it's game over at that part they got too many weapons so um i yeah i was i was i was nervous i was like how how bad is this going to kind of go off the rails because again i didn't put any stock into the third period at all i mean essentially it was like both teams taking a knee just get out of there and try to regroup um I am going to have to make a confession here um, that I did not watch all of the Saturday game. Um, I had a a friend's trip that we went to the casino. So we went up to Hinkley at Grand Casino. And so I was I was there at the blackjack table and they they didn't have the TV on to NCHC TV. So I I wasn't able to watch it. Um, I was able to kind of skim through. Um, Obviously I saw the goals, but kind of skim through with some of the play. So you'll kind of carry a little bit more of the conversation, but yeah, with posh starting, I, I liked that. And, um, and I thought that was kind of, kind of an interesting play, but I also thought Bassey, especially Bassey's first goal really, perplexed me on friday because like he gets the puck into him and then he just punches his out into the slot instead of just covering it right there and it made no sense to me why don't you just eat the puck and then after that it's like you know after the momentum and then yeah everything kind of unrattled so it felt like you know things weren't really on their game so yeah i liked posh starting and um you know obviously he let in four goals but um I was sitting at the steakhouse there um, and, and I was able to pull up overtime and he stood really tall in overtime. So that gives me a lot of uh, a lot of praise right there. So um, I can't uh, speak to the, you know, how the full team looked 
Um, I can just kind of give you what I saw, which is just bits and pieces from all of the games. So um, just kind of, how do you think? How do you think everything went? Well, to wrap up on Friday, first of all, you mentioned Posh. And I mean, uh, if we were, if I was interested at all watching the third period on Friday, it was expecting Posh to be a net. Mm-hmm. I was actually thinking they were going to pull Bassey sometime during the second. Not every one of those were his fault, but a couple of them he looked pretty silly on. He just seemed to be out of put his position consistently. There was, I think, the second goal where the Denver guy snuck behind him. Behind and there was him. another a, another play mm-hmm. later in the period that they didn't Denver didn't score on, but it, he also another Denver player gets behind Bassey. It's like uh, we, we we can't be that far out of the net where. Denver forwards are able to to sneak behind you. Um, and yeah, I don't, he was not impressive. Uh, even though on some of those, he didn't really have much of a chance. I mean, every, there was no unit that, that game that played a good game other than that first mm-hmm. period, which I thought first period, that's kind of the recipe to beat Denver. Other than I think the kind of unneeded penalties that were taken, but defensively they were sound. They outshot Denver. Um, and they played a, a tight defensive structured game. That's how you beat Denver the way they played, uh, in the second period, that's the recipe to lose to Stonehill. Um, and so <laughs> the, the contrast there was striking. And like I said, I kind of, I kind of assumed that Posh would come in net maybe to relieve Bassey, if only to try to spark the team, give them a little bit of, of a momentum boost. Or even but, after the fourth goal, the short yeah, something goal, like that. It's it's yeah. like, like what are we doing at at that point? It's not just get him out. Perhaps of though, not to say that was his fault. It just like you said, how like jumpstart the team, or it's like yeah, not every time not you pull pull the goalie yeah. means it's it's all on him. It's maybe just again to to get a, a fire going in the locker room and among the among the team as a whole. But perhaps the fact that he didn't do that in the middle of the second period in the game really kind of went pear-shaped. Maybe he switched positions or tactics and said, you know what, I'll just give him the whole game on Saturday rather than mop-up work on Friday. I don't know. Maybe that was the plan going into the weekend. I'm at a, I'm at a point uh, where I'd be fine with with the split weekend. Yeah, I'd be fine with even like, I, I, I I'm a little reserved in that, like, I want to pump the brakes a little bit. We have seen Posh now in four games and it's hard to get a great grasp on a guy's talent based on such a small sample size. It's almost like I've seen enough of Bassey where I kind of want to see more of the other guy rather than I've just been completely blown away by Posh. Posh just in the smaller sample size seems to be a little bit more, I don't know, fundamentally sound, but I'm at I'm at the point where I'm at least willing to see more of Posh's uh, cracks. You know what I mean? Like I mm-hmm. prove me wrong. Like I and I might be proven wrong. Maybe Bassey is the better goalie on on roster, but I'm kind of willing to see how how far we can go with with Posh. And like I said, I don't think you give him the the everyday job. I'd say uh, I think he's earned to himself to be in the conversation of being like in a bassy caster kind of split uh, which proved to be pretty successful last year and yeah getting back to the weekend uh, posh as you said yes gives up four goals and you know a couple of those i think he would want back but i as a whole i think he he was impressive um 
this was a game. It was so as we were like I said, I didn't have a ton of high expectations that most of the first period kind of were, uh, you know, a continuation of the of the Friday loss. You know, they didn't play terribly, but I didn't really see much of a spark in the first, I don't know, even 15 minutes of the first period and giving up the first goal. It's like, oh, OK, here we go again. Um, and that being on the power play as well for for Denver, like mentioning uh, or no, that was not on the power play. The power play comes in the second period. Uh, but divine that. Yeah. So let's now I'm refreshing myself here. Um, so that's about eight minutes to go in the first period. I don't know if you saw this play, but I'm not really sure what Reiners was doing on this play. It's almost as if he cleared a path. Like it was sort of a deep in the zone, two on one kind of situation. He ends up taking the guy without the puck leading divine to just walk right into the net. I thought it wasn't the best defensive play. You could say maybe he needed to pick one of the two players and he defended the guy that didn't have the puck rather than the guy that had the puck. I don't know. It didn't really look all that hot. And he did that uh, later in the game as well, Reiners. I don't know if he's still sort of nursing some injury concerns or whatnot. He didn't look as sharp as he he has at his best. Uh, I think also it's a little uh, baptism by fire, as they say. It's like you haven't played you know, yeah. a, a game for a couple of weeks and here, try to try to try to tail this ferrari for a little bit right. can't warm up against the pinto first but no it would yeah it would be nice because he didn't play against bemidji which would be your pinto in, mm-hmm. in your analogy right yeah. i think they kept him off for that series too so yeah you're, you're is right. there a car make that is like of a beaver type ilk like a i don't, I don't know if there is Pinto is, I think, a pretty good, pretty good pretty, cop. Pretty good. Right. I think sometimes when he's started that engine, it's spontaneously combusted. <laughs> um, so it's it's possible. <laughs> and certainly against the Huskies, they did with uh, with two six to one losses. Yeah. But uh, getting back to this one, like yeah, first goal given up, and uh, thinking how how are you going to write the ship, and then. It comes with uh, two late goals in the first period with Josh Lutke and then Okabe Lutke's goal, sort of a floater. It's one that Davis wants to get back. It's the other thing on Friday, it's like he didn't really feel like he really tested Davis all that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Lutke's goal, it's like, see, this is what happens is flinging a shot to the net. Uh, definitely, I think, a goal he would want back and a nice play. Um, I believe it was peered down in the corner and gave Okabe the... Uh, uh, a nice feed and a goal with four seconds left in the first. And at that point, like I was texting a buddy, like after the Lukey goal, like I'm mid text saying thrilled to be out of this first period, just tied. And then they end up going ahead by a goal. It's like I'm elated with this. Cause I felt like you would have even escaped just down by one. I felt like, and so being, being ahead two to one going into that second period, I thought was definitely a, a blessing. And but you know, so the second period again is is where special teams comes comes back to bite you, you know, taking four penalties, uh, including a, a long two man two man advantage stretch, and then separately the five minute major, which we will get to, um, and that it's it, it just it it was frustrating because you get up you give up the the game tying goal. Um, early in the second with Matica 
Um, but then again, you score two goals again. We we saw the gross coin connection uh, click again to bring about three to put about three to two, and then Yetnin with another sort of lofty, somewhat harmless looking shot. They were saying like he looked like he was screened. Not really. If you look at the the behind the net replay, like there was guys crossing in front of his path, but the shot you felt like he kind of had a clear look to it. So, you know, I thought two bad goals for Davis to give up, which has sort of been Denver's Achilles heel this year. And with the other two, you know, especially the coin play, that was a defensive breakdown for, for Denver. So, all right, we're back to the game plan here of exploiting some of Denver's weaknesses and particularly Davis and you're got a two goal lead. And then there's the Okabe play, which I'm not sure if you got a, got to look at this. Um, yep, I did. So they call him for the, well, they don't call anything and it's, I believe a bench challenge. I don't think this was a referee, uh, originated challenge. Um, I could be wrong. Maybe they, maybe they went to look at it independently, but I think it was Denver's bench that asked him to look for it. And in that situation, it's a major or nothing. They can't call a minor on that. From the angles that we saw, there was one, I thought it looked pretty shoulder on shoulder. Um, the other angle, I mean, Madica sells it pretty well. I think, uh, yeah. he kind of snaps the head back. Uh, I and didn't really like there the for a while. Yeah. But then he's right <laughs> back up for, I think the first shift of the power play. Mm-hmm. Um, and then scores on it. Right. Yeah. I, I didn't like, well, he scored the first power play goal of that second period. Um, he got an assist, uh, in the, in the five minute major. Um, but. Oh, yeah, and so he was right. I mean, he didn't really miss much time. I didn't like the call. Um, it's kind of predictable at this point. Um, we we see this with it's just kind of a hyper safetyism. If 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 they even think that the head might have been touched by a fingernail, they're going to call it, which I don't like. But at the same time, I don't really feel like Joshua or uh, Zach Okabe needs to make that hit. I mean, correct. Yep. He's not that type of player. Um, and a, a neutral again, neutral zone. Your half of the uh, ice that's where that happened it was it didn't certainly didn't um uh, disrupt a scoring chance or even like uh you know a rush situation it was just yeah i like hitting i i'm, I'm not one who who wants to take hitting and, and physicality out of the game but you just got to play be smarter there don't give the refs an opportunity to to give you a major in that situation and I just felt like it was a uh, uh, poor discipline and they got burned for it and it might've cost you the game. I think that was the biggest um, turning point in that game because at four to two and in control of that game, again, mm-hmm. the mo- momentum swung. And by the end of that period and by the end of the time, Okabe served the remainder of that penalty, Denver had tied the game. Um, sounds like we're in agreement. You, you feel like you didn't really love the call, but you understand it and you're sort of, you know, upset that Okabe even put himself in that position. Is that right? Yeah. I'm upset that the hit, like you said, the hit did did take place and it, it, it felt like it was clear that he could even make a play at the puck anymore. Like the puck was kind of gone at that point. Um, but I I I do feel like a two minute interference at the time would have made sense, but when 
they don't call anything and they go back to review a challenge to the head contact to the head. And yeah, given the angles that we saw, like there was just nothing. Now I know they have extra reviews. Thank you to Mike Schmidt's uh, little uh, video that he put up on Twitter uh, with the officiating and where he was like, I always hear we're too long at reviews. Here's what they're looking at. I'm like, cool. Yeah. They're too long for reviews. You didn't address any concerns of what we have. But anyway, um, it was, but yeah, it, it looked shoulder on shoulder and every other angle. It was, uh, it was just like, you couldn't clearly see the fact that it was contact to the head. So to give a team a five minute major because of that, and it was like, oh, this might've looked contact to head, especially when you can just lay on the ice and sell it like he did. It, I don't know. It, it was frustrating. And then um, at the same time, stop a power play. I mean, I know this is a high-powered defense, but or a high-powered team, but you were what eighty-seven percent on the penalty kill, and that all just went in flames. Yeah, and like you just looked out of position everywhere, and overcommitting, and yeah, they were able to pass with the purpose the back door, and able able to put that away, and yeah, you just kind of let them back into the game when. You know that those are the games that you need to bury teams, and it was just uh, a little, little upsetting that uh, you know we gave just that was you know where we gave them extra chances to go ahead and get back into it. Yeah, they were fifth in the country in, in penalty kill coming Going into in. the weekend. Now they are twenty first as a result of uh, of this weekend. And I mentioned that in our preview. It's it I didn't even need to look up what Denver's power plays at with a team with that much skill. You don't you, you can't play it, you got to play five on five as as often as you can. You can't even four on four situations. It's an yeah. advantage to Denver. And so keeping and again, I don't mind physicality and I don't mind taking penalties when again, they disrupt scoring chances. But I, I didn't feel like all but only a couple of the penalties that St. Cloud took this weekend were quote unquote good penalties. They were all sort of unforced, um, just over aggressive, unneeded penalties and kind of the difference of the weekend. And so again, this is uh, the roller coaster of the weekend, thinking at four to four going into the third period with Denver taking all the momentum, still having uh, some remainder, I think under a minute left of uh, penalty of that major penalty to go my hopes weren't very high um, coming into the third period. And, you know, the first 10 minutes kind of looked like the Huskies were kind of playing for overtime, but I'd say the last 10, 12 minutes of the third period. Yeah. So I did the watch best, the end of the third. Yeah. Some of the best hockey that St. Cloud's played all year. And again, frustrating on. because you had plenty of opportunities to beat a subpar goaltender in Matt Davis. You're making them look real good uh, in that third period. And, that's even before they t- the Denver starts taking penalties and you have 30 seconds of a t- five on three late in the game. It's almost as if I would have, I would have wished that those penalties didn't happen because I, f- I felt like they were worse on the power play than they were creating chances, even strength prior to those penalties happening. It almost kind of killed St. Cloud's momentum in, in a way. And this penalty or this power play for St. Cloud, uh, yeah, it's it's frustrating me. Starman was like, oh, you see them see them against Bemidji. How many shots they they got on this power play? 
like, yeah, I, I was aware of that and how few goals they actually got off of those chances. <laughs> this weekend, it wasn't even, they were even able to really generate shots on the power play. And it's, uh, it's a bit of an issue. Um, and pick your, pick your mistake. Is it either the Okabe uh, five minute major? It's failing to convert on uh, the penalty, the power play opportunities in the third period, or even just the chances you had like a play with Kupka right on the doorstep in the third period. Just pick any one of those. I mean, I think if, if Okabe doesn't take that penalty, they probably win by three. Uh, but I think even if, even if they, even with that penalty, I think you, you, you should have scored one in the third period, 18 to three shots on goal advantage yeah. for St. Cloud in that third period. And frustrating. I mean, you get into overtime in Denver. That's never a bad result. You're going to get something out of a trip to Magnus. And as it turned out, they were able to weather the storm in overtime, largely controlled by Denver. Um, but you're able to, you know, sneak out the extra little cheap shootout point. And so two points out of Denver is nothing to sneeze at. Um, but it's still, it feels disappointing because I feel like you should have got three points on Saturday. Yeah. It, it, it felt like that was a textbook how to beat yourself uh, versus Denver beating you. And, you know, you know, from Denver's point of view, you know, if you're able to get points out of bad week, bad games like that, that's a huge positive. Um, right. You know, not not to say it was a terrible game by by Denver. I mean, they converted on those chances and that's I guess that's how the game is. and how it goes. So yeah, it was, um, you know, I obviously split was kind of the go-to easy, you know, that's what we're looking for out of this weekend. You get two out of six, you know, it's, you know, I kind of have to think of it that way. Um, but it's that, you know, kind of up-tempo style that really cost and fits and really got, um, St. Cloud just, just be undisciplined. And, you know, that's, you know, where we have to kind of sharpen up our game uh, as we get here to the, to the gauntlet when it comes to the NCHC. Um, and obviously it's not going to let up here um, with North Dakota coming up. So um, when you're thinking of a POW um, or anything along those lines, um, kind of uh, who are you thinking for the weekend? I'll go a coin. I like to, um, to give a debut pause, so to speak, mm-hmm. you know, a coin, I'm fairly certain he hasn't really been in the POW conversation really in his time at St. Cloud. And I, I would kind of was wavering between him and gross because I, I, I really do think they got something there. And I think that with, with Ingram on that line as well, um, it's, it's really interesting how the lines have taken shape this year and how different waves, you know, early in the year with like the uh Kupka, Salquist and, and Molinar. That was kind of driving the offense for a few weeks early in the NCHC schedule. Then you had kind of the rats slash plumbers. They kind of took center stage for for a couple of weeks. You know, you've had Werner or uh VD, I'm sorry, um throughout the year. I I should say I thought he he was not great this weekend. No. Um it was especially great. on that on power play opportunities. Um, and I wonder if a hundred points is in his head. It, is that like we need to get rid of, cause that was Okabe's thing too. He, he took yeah. him a while to get over the hump. Like we need to, 
get these guys like into hypnotism and to think that they're not at not close to 100 or already over it. So it's like they they got to get the monkey off the back. But he's yeah, I mean he's been consistent throughout the year um, as their top goal scorer. Uh, but now it seems like uh, we've we've hit on something with with this uh, trio of players. And mentioning you know, Gross took him a while to really become a regular in the lineup. And a coin it was almost what the last just this last couple of series. Yeah, I mean, he was buried on this team, and so you I see mean, to that, the point where I forgot he was on the team. Right, right. Like, I that that's how bad it was. And what he's got you remember, three goals in you remember three games he, now. Do you remember Nick Ports? Yeah, he seems like a distant memory at this point. I and mean, he's mm-hmm. kind of the guy that I guess like maybe Rosborough kind of stole his spot. And then a coins emerged as well, maybe for Rogers, I think. I mean, Rogers really hasn't sniffed the ice in a while either. But I bet you we'll see those two guys sometime later this year, uh, most likely. I mean, we saw Barrett Hall, should mention, was out with yeah, a, uh, out. I think that the upper body injury is what they're calling it on Friday, came back and played on Saturday, but it was kind of invisible. He didn't see much of him on Saturday. So, I mean, you're going to get guys with, with, uh, injuries here and there, and we're going to need guys like Rogers to step up at some point in the season, the way that a coin has been able to produce, uh, the last couple of games has been really nice to see in it. Yes. I think a lot of credit on his goals go to gross with some good passing uh, to him, but a coin's got a real nice shot. You can see yeah. why he was a prospect and um, I'm excited to see it. And if, if, uh, but yeah, I would certainly imagine that they're not going to break that lineup anytime soon. If they can keep this going this next weekend here against uh Nodak, it'd be really nice. So I'm going to go with, uh, with a coin for my pal. Yeah, I I like that pick, and that's also uh, Go Huskies Woo, um, what uh, uh, he picked as well. Um, Also said Vidi had a tough weekend. Uh, Pearton on Friday was sad, um, is what uh, uh, he said. Yeah, I I agree with that, but also a lot of the defense, especially that second period, um, it was pretty invisible. Like I said, Anhorn looked slow. He got beaten to the puck a couple times getting back. Um, which was none of the D looked good on yeah. Friday. So, um, but yeah, I no, I a hundred percent agree with the coin. Um, but you know, with what you said about gross with his passes, both of his, um, passes come off of him picking up the puck off turnovers too. Yeah. Um, where, you know, on Friday's game, he picked uh, Rizzo um, from the corner and was able to find O'Coin up front, was able to roof it. Um, and then um, kind of in a transition play where um, it was a nice uh, stick play by Gross to, to pick it off a two on one the other way. Um, and just, yeah, able to kind of lay out a beautiful pass over to O'Coin, who um, made no mistake about it. So, yeah, his emergence has been has been really good to see. Uh, so I've been really really impressed with the, the the that line and how things are going. And I mean, obviously, I don't want to get myself too ahead of this right now, but some of these players kind of coming up, making some of these plays, it's got me really excited for the next couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> and and I don't want to you know kind of look past the season yet because um, I mean all you need to do is get into the tournament and anything can happen as anything has happened. 
Um, but seeing those players come up, seeing the recruits that we do have, and then seeing Posh and Net as well from the limited time that we have seen just give me gives me some optimism. But uh yeah, I agree. Um that uh a, a coin uh was probably the most consistent um as far as both uh uh, uh both games. So We can switch over then to the preview. Uh, we've got the uh, wonderful Fighting Hawks coming to town. Only time facing North Dakota. And, uh, you know, we're right with them um, uh, there in the standings. So uh, they're coming off of how they do this last weekend. One on Saturday and lost in overtime on Friday. So okay. four point weekend for them over Omaha. Yep. That's right. So um yeah, so I mean it's gonna be another another test with an up tempo type of team. Um so I, I think that's something that uh that Brett Larson is really gonna kind of stress and have some of these up tempo practices where like this is gonna be the competition competition that you expect to see the rest of the year um you know those uh those pintos are are, are not going to be coming anymore uh so it's, don't confuse me because i mean we're talking north Dakota. they used to have shane pinto. they used to have shane pinto that's very true so so um yeah, don't mix our metaphors too much yeah exactly so as of late um you know st cloud uh last time that uh they were here um was kind of a fun weekend um with the sweep uh when a, a six to three and a seven to two win and we had to kind of claw back on uh one of those at least maybe even both of them we were behind i think the saturday was a three it was either three nothing or three to one they might it might have been a three nothing comeback yeah, we were that down... was i believe okabi's hat trick i think okay. Yeah, Friday we were down two to one after one, and then we rattled off four in the second. Um, that was on Friday. That was on Friday, and then yeah, it was uh, three nothing uh, about a minute and a half into the second. Um, before yeah, we made it three to two, and then we rattled off four in the third period. Okay, so. That was a good six, series. I think that, that six might have goals been a, on nineteen shots. Yeah that that might have been a Herbie nominee for like best moment when he swept North Dakota. Yeah, um, and then also obviously beating him in the uh, in the tournament uh, was a was a highlight of the year mm-hmm. as well. Uh, Okabe was involved in that in the, in the play uh, or that game. Yep. So well, yeah, o- we don't. Okabe uh, kind of has North Dakota's number. So hopefully he's able to really uh, jumpstart here, yeah, um, and not get a contact to the head penalty. Well, it's that that would be a start, <laughs> ideally. Yeah, so we don't really need to introduce North Dakota too much. People know the opponent. This team is a, you know, it's a bit of a different team. It's a, from a roster standpoint, especially from the defensive end of things, completely different team than last year much uh has been written about them completely revamping their defensive core no returning defenseman from last year's team on this year's team 
uh, similar kind of makeup. I mean, a lot of it's recruits uh, replace the the guys with uh, with recruits, but similar kind of approaches as well with transfer portal pickups. Garrett Pike, they got him from Alaska, and they're putting him on the main the first power play unit and having a good year, nineteen points in twenty two games. That's very similar to what they did with Chris Jandrick. Also got him from Alaska. Also put him on. Uh, the main power play unit. And he had like a 30 plus point year last year for them. So they've had success with that Alaska to uh, North Dakota uh, pipeline uh, this uh, last couple of years for them. But other than Pike, it's kind of interesting. Like they got this Levanovaj who was uh, one of the last cuts from the world junior team, but pretty hyped prospect young guy. And he's got 11 points on the, uh, on the back end. But for the most part, it's stay at home defensemen that is is anchoring this core for them and i think it's been their perhaps their biggest strength this year i mean guys got logan Britt. he was the transfer from sacred heart uh keaton pearson was a transfer from michigan uh zmolek uh who was hurt last weekend didn't play so i'm not sure if we can expect him this weekend but he was a transfer from mankato part of their mass exodus um then they got this uh drafted prospect uh, from you know someone that they recruited abram weeb is his name it's fun with wordplay you put his his uh his position before his last name you got d weeb it's kind of dweeb if you all kind of <laughs> mash it together um i mean he's only got one point in 22 games but he's been a steady force you know and he's he's a guy that from what i've seen strong strong player and you're just not going to get a ton past him and it seems like that's kind of how they're rebuilding the defense is just, yeah, we'll get a guy like Pike who's going to factor in some offense, especially on uh, special teams situations. But for the most part, we're going with, with guys that aren't going to take too many risks and are just going to play steady defense. Now, again, third year in a row that they've picked up a goaltender out of the portal. Again, three years in a row. What's written is that, well, they finally solved their goaltending issues with Ludwig Person coming over from Miami. And he's throwing up a 903 save percentage, good for 50th in the country, 5 0 out of 80 plus qualifying goaltenders. And he's been hurt slash ineffective the last couple of weekends where they've turned to something called Hobie Headquist which is a solid name for a college hockey player, I should say. But, um, you know, Hedquist played both of the games against Alaska last weekend. And I know that one was because person was hurt. Now person played the Friday game, gave up all five of those goals. And then Hedquist played on Saturday. I'm not sure if that was performance based or if person's perhaps still ill slash injured health concerns. I'm not sure exactly the story. I, I got to uh, go through my backlog of Schlossman uh, reportage to see exactly what the deal is there. But uh, I think it's safe to say, at least at this point in the season, that person has not necessarily been the answer that they, that people were perhaps expecting out of him. Um, I think he's a solid goalie, but he's just, yeah, there's 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 something to be desired, I think, from his play as well. And yes, perhaps that's a uh, health based. Uh, but I should say, you know, Headquist with three and all his save percentage is sub 90 percent as well. But part of that, too, I mean, they've got decent goals against. Um, 
but these save percentages are pretty low and it's because as a team they really don't give up many shots mm-hmm. they're in the top 10 fewest shots allowed teams which again speaks to the strength of the defensive core in front of the goaltenders and it's just a matter of the goaltenders not saving a good percentage of the relatively limited amount of rubber that's coming their way when i um when i just sorted by because they're 11th in total teams shots against but when i sorted by um total games played um they're fifth yeah um so i mean and then that's with an asterisk you can put with cornell um only playing 15 games compared to 22 for north dakota so yeah I mean, it's aided definitely by, again, like you said, the stay-at-home defensemen um, that have been able to really, you know, clamber down and and not a lot of rubber past them to get to Pearson in the first place. Yeah, and offensively, I, this is this is going to be a step down from Denver, um, but a top line uh, for North Dakota. With Gaber, who's killed the Huskies throughout his career, yeah, uh, Jackson Blake and McLaughlin, uh, each of those players with twenty-two plus points, um, that's a formidable top line. Again, I don't think this is quite the level of Denver um, with you know Divine and Rizzo. Those guys have thirty plus points already, and then you've got two or three of those those lines deep with Denver. I don't think uh, North Dakota has quite that depth, but you know, you got a guy like Cameron Berg that picked up from Omaha in the transfer portal. He's already at 20 Hunter Johannes, who is a pickup from Lindenwood. He's picked up 15 points. It's interesting. Like mentioning those two players, uh, transfer portal ads over the off season, you know, some of their like high end recruits. I mean, Blake's been great, um, but Dylan James, he had as, as much hype, if not more than Blake coming in last year. And he had a, pretty much of a dud season last year and he's kind of having a dud season so far this year for him too just 11 points in 22 games i'm sure north dakota fans were expecting more out of more out of him and then this Jaden perone um another high you know drafted player you know he's just at 10 points throughout the the season so far he is young um you know so he just turned 19 so give him some time i bet he's going to be on their top line um maybe next year but so far, those two players at least are not quite living up to the expectations, but they've been able to be, I you know, offset by the the transfer portal pickups that, that I mentioned. And but again, I, I this is not quite the the depth of of Denver, but that's a pretty high bar to set considering Denver's uh, uh, depth of scoring that they have. But you know, this is a very uh, tough, uh, especially first line for North Dakota. Very good power play, um, and. It, especially with Gaber and company, you know, shutting them down will go a long way towards uh, the Huskies getting some wins this weekend. What's your, so what do you, what are you thinking? I, I mean, you confident that Huskies can, let's say, get a majority of the points this weekend. I, I think they can get a split at least, and it wouldn't shock me if they can, you know, take the other game to overtime and, or if not do a clean sweep, it seems this is a better team clearly than last year's North Dakota squad. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, the way that the Huskies have been playing, especially at home of late, you know, um, I could see, I could see some success this weekend. I, I feel like I'm optimistic. How about you? Um, yeah, I'm 
tempered optimism, I guess. I, I, I'd like to see how this team kind of comes up. And, and, and again, we need to create chances on Pearson, which, again, I think is an overrated goalie. I mean, he seems to be loved by a lot of people. I don't think he's that good. Um, so it, it, it's just, I think, getting pucks um, you know, to the net past some of these stay-at-home guys that uh, North Dakota is able to bring in. I I counted. Um, do you want to guess how many goals in his career uh, Reese Gaber has against St. Cloud? Is Just this goals, is not assists? Is this his fourth year or his fifth year there? Ooh, that is a good question. I want to say it is his fourth. I yes, think it's, it's his, his fourth. fourth. So that means three years, and they would have played him. Because I'm going to think it's going to be close to a goal a game, if not a little bit more. So I'm going to say eight. He's probably played 12 or so games. It's that, no more because I think they played him in the playoffs. So I'm going to say. No, as. Oh, yeah. So his goal totals, um, 11, 15, 20, and then 12 so far this year. And obviously none of the 12 this year against the Huskies because they haven't played them. I nine, maybe nine, not a goal again. I'm gonna say ten. You could have set me up there. I did try to set you up. Over. Well, you didn't really wink, wink, lot. nudge, nudge me. I could have been. I thought really, I was. You could have really. Given I bet the game away. Dan Jacobson was yelling. I bet it's nine. I bet it's nine. Goals. Just now, from now on, I know. Whenever you're asking for a number, I'm just gonna go with nine. So now, <laughs> I, now I know. And how many so. games against the Huskies do you have that on there? Um. No, I just counted because remember that it was twenty and twenty one season. So I think they that was the pod year. I think I played them twice the in Omaha and then once in Grand Forks Two. in the playoffs. So that'd be three, and then I think yep. they played them four, four games the next year, and then five last year because they played them at the X. Well, so three, so four, five. What is that? Twelve. Two, two in the championship game on March March sixteenth. That was the yep. championship game, right? Yep. In Grand Forks. In Grand Forks. Yep. So to that game um and then the next season one yeah the december 3rd and 4th one goal that one two goals um in the january 28th and 29th season so that's three goals in four games um and then last season so you would have had four goals last year. One, two, three, four. Yep. One of those was a extra attacker game tying goal in Grand Forks. I saw that play coming from a mile away. Uh, God, I can't remember who blew the coverage on that one. That was during the February swoon last year where nothing was going right. That might have been the game that, like, St. Cloud didn't get a shot. They didn't like touch the puck for like six minutes or something. And it's all in North Dakota zone. That was actually the game. I think that St. Cloud won in a shootout, but it was a, it was a cling to death kind of how did they escape with, uh, with any points out of that one kind of game. But I think it was the game before that they uh, tied it late and then won in overtime. North Dakota did. Yep. Pretty sure. Yep. It was, uh, yeah, the Friday game. Yeah, they tied it. Um, extra attacker goal, rescaber, and then three on three overtime rescaber. Oh, he won. He did the overtime. Yeah, the overtime winner as well. Yep. Yeah, and he's been you, a pest. 
Yep. And then the next game, yeah, he it was his power play goal that tied it up um, early in the third period. But yeah, then we did end up winning in the shootout um, with Crookshank. See, we, we're doing random box where we usually go a little <laughs> bit further back than last year, but still, like, yeah. there's, yeah. Well, I, then not only that, yeah, we were outshot 30 to 13. We had this was the Saturday game last year. Yeah. In Grand Forks. What what Grand was the Forks. date? February what? February 18th, 2023. Yeah, uh, it was uh I think it was that second period is where North Dakota had this like, uh, you know, no whistles, several shifts of players and they just kept cycling the puck to death. St. Cloud obviously couldn't couldn't change any of their guys pinned in their zone. And it was just, you know, by the end of it, all the North Dakota fans are on their feet and suing it up. And it was just like, oh, stop. This is torture. But, uh, yeah, how yeah. they got out of there with, with anything was uh, miraculous. Out, out shot uh, 12 to 2 in that period. And um, one of those shots was a goal. The only goal scored in that second. And that was Cronulla's goal. And uh, that was 18 seconds into the period. <laughs> So 18 seconds in, Cronulla scores, and then apparently we didn't touch the puck the rest of the period. <laughs> I feel, who was in net for St. Cloud that game? Because I feel like this was a weird one where, where someone got both games, and I can't remember if it would have been Bassey or if it had been Caster. I'm going to say Bassey got both games for some reason. That, that is be. incorrect. Did, did Caster get both? Uh, uh, nope. It was a split. It was a split. Okay. Was, yep. Bassy Again. Friday and Castor. Eleven Friday. months later, and I still don't. My my memory is playing tricks on me. But um, yes, you rattled off nearly everything about that series to a T, and then you messed up. Like on, that was that was because <laughs> there was on ones the where they. And, oh, now my memory's going to hell. <laughs> Well, were they like I know the Gophers home and home that was both caster, and I know that there was another series in towards the end where someone and I thought I thought bat I could have swore Bassie had one weekend in the year where he got both games because towards the end I mean in, in the playoffs it was basically caster after from the third Duluth game in the playoffs till the end of the year it was all caster. Uh, but I feel like I feel like Bassey had a back to back somewhere mixed in. But I, I again, I might be I might be incorrect. Or maybe it was he played. Who So who played the Friday game in Grand Forks last year? Was that Bassey? Bassey. Yep. Maybe he played the Saturday before and the Friday of the North Dakota series. And that was weird. Something about that weekend triggers like, oh, it was a weird thing with the goalies. Maybe they didn't flip-flop like uh, Chobak and Ahola always do. Maybe it was something where like Bassey had the the last Saturday and then he came right back on Friday for some reason. I, again, check me because now I'm curious again how my brain is uh, befuddling. Uh, yeah. Bassey uh, shootout win uh, the week before against Miami. Oh, God. And that was the two... Just uh, painful shootouts, like the ten rounders where no one got a goal. Did he um, wait? Did he play both of those? I feel like he did. 
so yeah, and then he would have played a third game in a row. Yeah, he played the second one for sure. Let me see the first one. The first one was, yes. was I think, the ten rounder, and yep, I think you, one. you, it was your theory that he gained, he got the second game because of the shootout performance. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, I guess it worked again to get another to squeak out another shootout win against the horrendous Miami team. But yeah, so that would have been the thick of them riding the Bassy wave last year. Yep. Three in a row. Right, right in the swoons. <laughs> so yeah, that was, um, that was an ugly stretch last year. So hopefully we don't to, have one of the, I hope, don't have a February soon in 2024. Yeah. Let's hope. Yeah. So, um, well, that was your edition of random box scores. Uh, <laughs> as, as we couple of them there, yeah, yeah, a couple of them there. So, um, but you know, you go from Denver, who is you have the dynamic offensive, just racehorse type hockey style to North Dakota, which seemingly is maybe a little bit more of that kind of lion lying in the grass ready to pounce quick strike type but like still still maybe a little bit more structured when it comes defensively um but not maybe nearly as much as that high powered offense so it's kind of an interesting dynamic to have these two teams back to back so i'm really excited to see how the huskies handle that um but I know it's going to be, you know, obviously an up-tempo game. It's going to be a game that I that I think St. Cloud really needs to come out and set the tone and win on Friday. If they don't win on Friday, I think I'm going to be scared for Saturday. Um, so sounds like you're scared just in general. Are you? What I, I'm a little I said, timid. Yeah, I said uh, a win plus an overtime result, so meaning more than three points. What, or if you're going to predict, what what are you going for? I don't know. For some reason, I'm still thinking that like two is probably the maximum we'll get this weekend. Two points. Yeah. Really? Maybe another four and two series or something like that. But if that it's... were the case, if if North Dakota were to win to get four points in St. Cloud two this weekend, that would mean they're tied uh, at the top of the standings. Uh, mm-hmm. Two points separates uh, first place and second place right now. And this is a one two matchup should mention mm-hmm. if that adds any intrigue to the series uh and like i said the only time that you play them this this year so i mean especially if you're gonna be close tied for instance well i suppose because they don't play a home and a road series then these results wouldn't count for wouldn't factor of, for that of, yeah. uh, breaking a tie but then i guess it's wins uh, regulation wins would be the next tiebreaker so at least get a regulation win i would say is important and that's also kind of the enigma with North Dakota, because if you look at their 15 and six record right now, their pairwise record um, is 13, two and one. Because um, they're two and four in overtime, since that's weighted a little bit differently. So they only have two regulation losses on the season. Yeah, and those four or four OT losses are their last four losses. Yeah, it's actually five if you want to count. Five if you want they to also count lost them. to the U18, U18 team as well. Yep. But that's, I mean, that, and especially three of those four overtime losses at home, which, you know, that's less than, you're getting like 25% of a pairwise win in those situations because the overtime plus the home road waiting, 
I mean, those aren't great results, but you get something like, and so the importance of at least getting to overtime, um, it's a big difference between them and yeah, probably a couple of spots in pairwise. If those losses came in regulation, um, yeah. plus you're getting extra points in the, you know, four extra points in the conference standings out of those results as well. So, so yeah, it's, um, their, their losses were a, a four, nothing, uh, loss to Minnesota and a three to two loss, um, at Boston at BU. Yeah. For those being your only two so, losses, like regulation losses this year, that's, and they're still impressive. down to six in the pairwise. I mean, which is a little bit of a surprise. Um, when a seven in the pairwise, um, which is a little bit surprised when, yeah, those are your two losses. Um, but then again, I mean, Minnesota isn't, I mean, they're right with St. Cloud there. We're St. Cloud's at 13, Minnesota's at 12. Denver, um, who we just played, is at eight. So it's, um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I, I guess I'm, I, I just want to see, I want to see like an optimistic spark um, out of this Husky team against a top team. Um, which I don't know, like, really, when you look back, the last time that we've had that was maybe West at Western Michigan. I mean, you could argue, I guess, against Michigan, how much are they a top team? They're flirting with the bubble as well. Um, Western Michigan is more on the right side of the bubble. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a little bit too harsh, but it it just feels like we should... I, I I just want this team to really prove it to me and take care of business. And I don't know if I, I just like to see more, I guess. And that's what I hope to see this weekend until they not, yep. I'm going to be a little more tapping on it. Agreed. So, um, let's switch over to the women. Um, as, uh, the women, I did watch, um, all Friday's game. Oh, oh! In case you're wondering, I did win uh, two hundred fifty dollars at Grand Casino. Uh, I, I so. Thank you. I was going to circle back to that. All on blackjack. All on blackjack. I don't. I don't deal with slots. Um, I think like there is not many things I find more depressing than walking through a casino <laughs> in the slots. Just, it's, yeah. just just like watching everybody and watching the people and maybe it's because it's you know outstate minnesota and we can all laugh at that fine but like it's you got the old people with the oxygen takes or the scooters just nobody's having fun at a slot machine like like everybody's just kind of slouching leaning back just hitting the button over and over again and it's just like you know i don't know if they're wasting their social security check or they don't have anyone to give it their inheritance to, or they just come for the buffet. I don't know, but it's just, they're just walking by and everyone is just laid back like a zombie, just smashing the button over and over again. Nobody's, nobody's having fun at a, at a casino in a slot machine. Maybe you'll hear a random scream way off in the corner of excitement, but no, like even that you, you, can probably walk around for hours before you hear anything like that but you'll just see people slouching hitting that button a little so. bit of a different vibe at the tables yeah at the tables you get some excitement you get some uh especially if you got the got a right dealer too who, you know is obviously pumping your tires and wants you to win as well so you would uh, you an aggressive uh blackjack player because that's really kind of my technique i'm doubling a bunch like i i don't really there's some people that I'll just, you know, 
keep doubling bets if they lose because like house odds or whatever. I basically just keep the same minimum bet, but I'm making up my, I'm making my money when I'm doubling and I'm splitting and I, you can make a lot of money that way. You can also lose money very quickly that way. Mm. So I'm usually like the last time, well, when I moved here, I stayed in Vegas for a couple of days and I won like 800 bucks on blackjack tables. And then the last I went here, I've went twice and I think I've lost 200 bucks each time. So that's kind of my average. Like I'm either winning close to a thousand dollars or I'm leaving pretty quickly. And it's like a couple hundred bucks. No. That I'm, that I'm done. Uh, we were, we were only there one night. This is my grand casino story, by the way. I don't know if they, uh, I don't know if they still have that ad campaign, <laughs> right. but here's my, see if we want to throw some money for some advertising here. Right. Exactly. I already took them for two fifty. Why don't they give me some more? Right. Um, but it's so yeah we went to the table but yeah usually you know i just sit down at the five dollar table and usually i do five for the first couple hands just so i can kind of see now i'm not like a count card counter at all yeah but me neither like i'll kind of sense if there's been a few more low cards versus high cards and then i'll adjust my betting a little bit but usually i don't go much more than 15 you but usually i'll stick around 10 um it's kind of my go-to but yeah like uh but Usually I'm just strict by the book because I feel like mathematicians and nerds have solved the best odds for black. Like there's not going to be any new technology where it's like, actually these, you know, it's better to do this. So I just go by the book and it's served me overall pretty well. Um, See, I'm aggressive where it says like, if it's, if they're showing five or six, if I got anything under 11, I'm doubling. Yeah. That's I think, oh, yeah. a little aggressive, but and, I mean, that I mean by the book, that's what it says as well. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, if it's at five that or point, six, like, and, you're and take ideally, one card. I like, yeah, if you're gonna take a card, that's the situation. You might as well, especially if they're make having a, a bus card. Yeah, right. And I, I don't. Ideally, I, I'm kind of OCD. Like, I want to be the last guy on the table. Really? Meaning you want to be going anchor. last? Okay. Yes, because too many times where someone. A guy's got the dealer's got a five or a six, and the guy's got a fourteen, and he's hitting. And it's like, don't burn those cards. And I like to be in control. So okay, all right. So I don't know. I feel like that's a lot of pressure on me. Um, if you know, if I if I don't do well, it is so, because yeah. So if you, you if you think you, you make tens. the right play, do I split tens? No, that I don't. Oh. I don't split tens. I won't split nine. Even against a six, you won't split tens. No, okay. that would be, I mean, I wouldn't either. Like there's no chance I'm doing that. I'm taking, I'm my staying 20 on 20. I'm happy. Yeah, I'm staying on 20. <laughs> so I might like, I guess I have never been in this instance, but maybe if I'm like alone at the table, um, and the dealer showing six and there's, you know, yeah, maybe I'll do it that time. Maybe I'll get, a, get if the night's been going more. well enough. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Yeah. So, yeah. um, but yeah, like right away, I was up about 200, uh, maybe like 205, I think, something along those lines. That's nice. Um, and then, we, yeah, we went to the steakhouse, watched overtime at the steakhouse, um, and then we walked by. and was like, oh, man, pull tabs. Let's all get in on some pull tabs. And I'm like, we could go to the Legion anywhere in any bar ever. At least that's going to a hockey association or something. Right. We don't need to do. Okay, fine. Here's 20 bucks. Let's get some pull tabs. Obviously, we lose all that because it's pull tabs. So, um, yeah, then we head back to the tables. Um, and I, 
yeah, get up uh, about 60 or so. Um, and then I'm like tired. It's like 1.30 or so and I'm old now. So I'm like, all right, I'm just I'm just heading up. But then I've got like, you know, you know, the, the $50 chip and then I've got like two $5 chips. So I'm like, I'll just one more hand put out there. Obviously, I lose that. But so, yeah. So in the end, it was um the, the second time around, it was a little bit touch and go. But uh, ended up, yeah, being up when when the end of it. So that's kind of when I call that. Say, hey, if I'm walking out with two fifty extra, I'm going to take it. So the next morning, I get a text message. Hey, are we going to go back to the tables, or should we just get breakfast? And I'm like, uh, I don't really want this story to be like, oh, then I went back the next morning and then just lost it all because I knew that I figured that was going to happen. So I decided, no. nah, let's just let's just. Have some food and head out. So take take the W. Mm-hmm. That's good. It sounds so. like a good little Saturday. So anyway, the infamous fish story. All right, women's team. Did you watch? Um, so you said you watched the Friday games. You watched so, the Saturday so I game as well. The Friday game, and for as bad as the second period of the men's game was, I'm not gonna say it was worse. How the women performed on Friday. But it was maybe about a th- third as bad, or maybe about half as bad. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. But like it, it was by far the worst I've seen this team play this year. Yeah. Um, nobody was on the same page. Passes weren't connecting. Um, I don't even think you really threatened any chance on the goalie. Mankato actually outshot him both nights. Right. Um, that was the that's the most troubling aspect yeah. here because like it it'd be one thing if this was remember when they had a couple of close calls in the first half against Mankato, but then particularly I'm thinking like St. Thomas. Uh, but with those games, St. Cloud had just you know three to one shot advantage on St. Thomas mm-hmm. in those games. If they were going to lose a game to Mankato, I'd figure it'd be one of those type of. Yeah, two to one. Okay, that makes sense. And it'd be something where St. Cloud's throwing the kitchen sink at the goalie and standing on her head. And, but not really. Even the four to two win on Saturday, it's, uh, Mankato controlled the majority of the play this weekend, which was the most surprising and yeah. you know, disappointing aspect of the weekend. Is I don't exactly know. I, there are injury concerns. Obviously, we uh, we've touched on Wolf back end. Um, and I know they've been scrambling. We saw Carmen Bray, who actually I, I was pretty impressed with. I was impressed with Carmen weekend. Bray. Yeah. I mean, she seems more like it. I mean, she had several shots. She seems like an offensive minded defenseman. Like she's she's not scared of getting involved in that aspect of the game. She's not just a stay at home defender. And so I'm I, I, I felt like she passed her first test. I thought the on Friday, uh, Ella Anik and Taylor Larson, I thought, did not have their best games. Um, Larson in particular, I thought was burned twice. And then Anik as well on the first goals, kind of both of them got burned on sort of what was developing as a broken play, but then Mankato turned that into a, uh, to a break, uh, and, and beating Chobak, both goals from giving up, uh, from Chobak can't really blame her as more defensive breakdowns mm-hmm. uh, than anything. You could say that really about the Saturday goals as well, two that they got on the Hola and there too, like, uh, yeah, I guess we can take both games here individually, but just previewing ahead to the Saturday game, it's like, okay, you get the two quick goals to go up in the first period from St. Cloud's perspective. All right. The Friday was a bit of a blip 
but we're getting back to our game. But then, I mean, credit to Mankato as well. Got to give them props for playing a, a good weekend. Yeah. Um, and they were able to fight back and, and tie the game. I I figured two nothing on a hola. That's you know game set match. But as it turned out, they needed to dig further and, and break the two two tie later in that game. And so yeah, they had their hands full surprisingly with the uh, with the Mavs this weekend. And Friday just yeah, it, seemingly from the first I don't know, I tuned in about five minutes into the game because getting home at that point, and I was just kind of waiting you know, for the Huskies to kind of, all right, just let's go. I'm getting, getting a little loose. We had that scrimmage last weekend, but you know, it really wasn't even much of a real game. You only played two periods and you know, how much were you really able to get back into the swing of things and game action, game speed and all that. It just, it never really came and they had a good surge in the third period, but uh, still weren't able uh, to, to break through the tying goal, which I was just waiting for. Uh, you know, Lynn scores the goal in the first period. Again, that was one where I'm like, all right, maybe the two goal deficit wakes him up a little bit. Quick response with Lynn's goal and just waiting for the second goal. And it just never came. And just a, a, a weird game. Cause it's, this isn't, this was like a flashback to, to Huskies women's teams of years past. And that's those generally are not very good memories. Yeah. So uh, this is just, we've been accustomed to this team taking care of business. And, and this was uh, just a failed assignment this weekend, unfortunately. Yeah. Especially when you were looking at Friday's game and I, I was just kind of watching and, you know, my son and I were just watching the game and, and, and it was just puzzling to see Mankato control. And not only that, but just, dominate like a two to one shot advantage you know as as the third as the second period was kind of progressing along so it was um and like i said just passes were off the mark nobody was on the same page it was just kind of ugly hockey now you'll have games like that and i understand that but that's not it's not the team to have it against considering, you know, where you're at in the standings trying to fight for home ice and uh, to drop a game against a team that you should win. Now, like you said about Mankato, um, they've been, you know, playing a little bit better as of late, I want to say. Um, now granted, you know, they've had two games against Lindenwood, but they swept, you know, they took care of, uh, business against St. Thomas, um, obviously just before, you know, being swept at Ohio state. Um, but also they had, uh, a tournament out this, the Smashville, so <laughs> the Smashville showcase, you know, against Robert Morris and BU, um, able to take those two games very handily. Um, Whitney Tuttle for them, um, who had a goal each game, she's got 10 out of the last 11 having points. So like Mankato is making a good, you know, has been playing some decent hockey as of late. So it's, so I think maybe I got to give them a little bit more credit, but it was just really disappointing to see, you know, St. Cloud kind of fumble so much going in and watch watching that first game. So, uh, sadly I didn't get to see, um, too much of the second game um, and and whatnot as, you know, I didn't uh, get to see mu- uh, much of either one of them, but um, 
Yeah, I, I was able to catch some of the highlights and 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 seeing that uh, you know we were able to kind of kind of pull it out there at the end um, with the uh, the goals. You know, Anik with the four and four, and then you know Zimmerman coming through, um, who's been you know incredibly strong. Who you know as as of late has been kind of a a good addition uh to the team i believe she was red shirted last year but you know she has kind of some timely points she came up huge against ohio state so um but you know able to come back um and you know as as we've got this gauntlet coming up um where we're um having some wait a minute hold on one second not gauntlet coming up because we've got St. Thomas first. We yeah. got St. Thomas and then the gauntlet. Perfect. And then the gauntlet. Yeah. So yeah. So coming into St. Thomas again, you know, now we're tied with um uh Minnesota Duluth here on the standings. Mm-hmm. So um we swept Bemidji this past yep. weekend. Yep. They took care of business. Um we kind of stumbled here. So again, tied. You know, we can't falter here against St. Thomas. We've got to uh, we got to come out with um, all six points here this weekend. Yeah. So after the Friday game, that knocked you down to ninth, number nine, nine. Uh, in in pairwise, which pairwise. is outside the the gate as far as at large. What we're figuring the three uh, auto bid only leagues: hockey's new high and CHA. Uh, you need to be in the top eight after the conference tournaments really in order to be safe. And that's assuming that ECAC doesn't have a conference champion, conference tournament champion that's outside of the top eight. So uh, being at nine is on the outside looking in. Now the win on Saturday and Cornell's loss, Cornell's the team that you you drop behind them and Duluth, but Cornell's loss uh, on Saturday and St. Cloud's win, that brought them back to eight, which is again, where you want to be, you want to be eight and above in the pairwise uh, to be safe. Um, long way to go, but just seeing, illustrating what the loss on Friday to Mankato. If you are going to drop one of these games against the three, I guess I call them also Rans last weekend in the WCHA. I mean, Mankato is the best of those three teams. That's not saying a ton because the other two teams are Bemidji and St. Thomas. But as we saw, like you could afford to lose one of these games to the bottom three teams, but you really, you really can't lose one to St. Thomas or to Bemidji. You get away with it against Mankato, but and that's still not a good result. If you would have won on Friday, that probably would have kept you above Duluth in the pairwise and in the standing, the WCHA standings as well. So it's not a good result either way you look at it. But there's plenty of time, and you've got the schedule in front of you where you can make gains in pairwise if you win these games. Uh, and yeah, just, I, I'm just concerned. Like, you know, we mentioned that Mankato outplaying them on Friday, the extent they did. I mean, that was, they didn't have any power play opportunity that game. Uh, and so that was all even strength for them or shorthanded. I mean, St. Cloud had the only, only power plays on Friday. And so it wasn't even just a boosted shot advantage based on special teams. Uh, it was at on five on five, Mankato, I think, was the better team this weekend. And so mm-hmm. it's perhaps it's the kick in the butt that you need to refocus you um, and get you back on the right track here. It's just one loss. And like I said, you're 
you're still right in pairwise position. So it doesn't need to defeat you for this season. And I don't think it will, because I think this team is resilient. But um, it's certainly a, a rut, a bump in the road here. And let's hope that they can learn from it moving forward. But yeah, it's... Uh, and mentioning too, like, so I was watching that game. And again, I, I was coming home from work and I was kind of making dinner. The whole game, I'm here in Barbro for Mankato. And it was that, it was her and uh, Fauché that uh, split action in the uh, series down at Mankato a couple of months ago. And then I'm sitting down like towards the end of the game and I hear Hanson. And I'm like, did Mankato like do a goalie change that I missed? No, uh, apparently she played the whole game and she played both of these games. And that's a bit surprising because they did the, the Barbro Fauché split last weekend against Lindenwood. And this Hansen hadn't played at all since November. And so I, I don't know exactly what the, um, what the game plan was there, but it even threw off the announcer because I went back and checked. It was uh, four minutes left in the game when uh, he stopped saying Barbaro's name and he realized that it was Haley Hansen in that, but she was good. And uh, she had, she wasn't tested a ton on, especially on Friday, but especially in the third period, she came up huge and, and again, a couple of chances. I didn't like, there was a play at, towards the end there too. I thought that uh, there was a nice play by Ross coming into the zone at uh, I thought pretty blatant hold on Mankato that they didn't call. And it's just like that that's a penalty where it would have been a good penalty for Mankato to take because it would have it prevented a scoring chance and they didn't call it. It's like this must not be our night if they're not going to call that that penalty either. So, yeah, it was a frustrating weekend, but at least they were able to come back from adversity, you know, blowing the two nothing lead, but then coming coming back and and scoring the last two two goals of that game. You got to split. I mean, after losing on Friday, it was close to a must win on Saturday and they were able to pull that, pull that out. Now you got to take care of business this weekend. And again, we won't, let's hope they don't look past St. Thomas, but we got Ohio State coming up and based on their last results, uh, that's going to be another test. And I mean, bearing the lead, I mean, beating, beating the Gophers at Ritter by scores of seven, nothing and six to one. And it's, it's arguable that it could have been worse. Like they kind of took the foot off the gas in those games. Uh, at Ritter, I, I, I don't know if I mentioned that. Um, this was, again, my brother even saw some of that game, some of that. And he's like, yeah, I figured that the Gophers just must be kind of down. But then he looks, he's like, they said that they were number two. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. They, they were. Uh, but at the same time, you know, listen to my previous pod, our previous podcast, and I did say that I feel like the Gophers aren't really that good. Um, well, I agreed. I just, I mean, I didn't think that they would so, lose by those kinds of scores. I mean, no, that's true. But I think, like, in the grand scheme of things, when it comes to, um, because obviously, like, they're going to make the tournament and everything, but, like, when it comes to, Ohio State and Wisconsin, like I wouldn't even before this weekend, I wouldn't put Minnesota above either of those two. Right. Especially and, and with saw, the yeah. beautiful, healthy Harvey sandwich. So but. Yeah, and I think it's that Ohio State and it's mostly the lack of depth for uh the Gophers. For Minnesota, yeah. After the Murphy line. 
Um, mm-hmm. But we saw like with Ohio State's depth, and then we mentioned Wisconsin as well. I just think those two teams are built a little bit deeper uh, than the Gophers, and so it it makes. I mean, those results, if anything, from the St. Cloud's perspective, it makes St. Cloud's win out in Columbus that much more impressive. Yeah, um, because they were able to somehow beat that team uh, uh, in, uh, out there. So that's in two weeks. Again, teams not going to look over, look past St. Thomas. They can't. Got to win two games this weekend. Let's uh, let's sure hope it happens. Yep. And that's um, you know I kind of want to go back uh, one more thing with uh, that I forgot to make about Minnesota State is that you know for how you know not great of a season that they've been having, they do have some pretty good goal scorers, and that's where I said that you know one of the things that really worries me is that. St. Cloud just when it comes to offensive firepower, you know, we're starting to get some of the young um young players clicking a little bit more. Um, but it's still a little bit few and far between and who's going to kind of step up. But I mean, uh Jamie Nelson, Sydney Langseth and Whitney Tuttle, who I said earlier, who's on that hot streak. I mean, all of, you know, they have uh she has 12, 10 and 9 goals uh for those 3. Um, you know, where you'll look at the top goal scorer for St. Cloud State, it's Himmler Robo with seven. Um, total goals, we've had, you know, 55 and they've got 65. Um, so it, it's just kind of one of those things that, you know, I, I was worried that if we were going to lose a game, it, it's going to be, you know, kind of that two to one kind of situation where, yeah, we don't have the firepower. And even in listening to some of the post game conferences that that they that they put up, it's a lot. A lot of them are just kind of like a lot. A lot of them, what they're saying about like the goal score that they do have is yep, I just kind of shot it, put it on net, and it went in. And it was kind of like this kind of hopeful shot mentality versus like really being able to pick a spot and 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 snipe it through it was you know it just kind of sounds more luck based which kind of worries me that like you said like we don't have a, a a bona fide goal score when it comes to it um you know i'm you should mention to... too i mean we had himmler roebuck she's kind of settling into like a hybrid kind of role playing some mm-hmm. d some forward like flip like a rover like a rover yeah it's a good uh analogy um but no and... nay never no, nay, never, no more. It's the Wild Rover. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm going to smile and go right. along with it. And You've been uh, to Ireland? I have not. You should go to Ireland. They love the Wild Rover over there. Maybe I'll... Maybe I'll You'll learn that there. song if you go over there. Just go to any pub. Okay. I... I... <laughs> Is it the uh, my Good. Bonnie Lass? Isn't or maybe that's Scotland? I guess I'm not up on my Irish folk songs. Um, yeah. I've got Irish in my uh, heritage, though. I, I should. Riley was my uh, oh my dad's mom's maiden name, so I got some Irish in me. I just I I, I I'm not I I did not know that, oh. so I got to brush up on that, I suppose. But yeah, I mean. Mankato's all right. I mean, looking their 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 goal scoring spurts this year have all been against 
Sacred Heart, sure. Bobby Morris, BU's who's terrible in women's hockey, St. Thomas. I mean, this is the first time this year against the top five WCHA teams that they'd scored twice in a game. And they did it both games this weekend. I mean, they got smoked at Wisconsin to start the conference season, six, nothing and nine, nothing. No, it's, I, I mean, yes, they've improved. You know, I mentioned like their, their coach, John Harrington, the uh, Miracle on Ice uh, alum. He had been out with an illness, I believe, for like about a month, just returned to the team last weekend. So perhaps they've got like a win one for the Gipper kind of thing going on mm-hmm. too. And so you know, those intangibles, we can't uh, track them statistically, but they play a factor. So maybe uh, maybe they're winning one for the coach here. But uh, we hopefully don't have to play Mankato anymore this year. I guess maybe we should hope that they play them in the playoffs. That means that they'd <laughs> be in like the top three, but yeah. probably done with them. And let's move on to St. Thomas and, yeah. and then going forward to, to the, uh, to this, to this gauntlet. Uh, do you have a uh, player of the weekend? Do you have a Powell for the women? I think I'll go Lind. I mean, I believe three points on the weekend. She had the goal on Friday uh, and then a couple of assists on Saturday. And she was a, you know, a noticeable player there. Uh, throughout the weekend. Um, Anik, I mean, I mentioned her kind of defensive struggles on Friday comes back with a pair of goals on Saturday, which uh, was, was, was nice to see. Um, Aver Farrell with another goal. I mean, she's been a nice pickup for them, for the, for the Huskies. I, mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting a ton. I mean, put up a good year at Franklin Pierce last year, but not expecting that to translate into a great WCHA season necessarily, but she's produced it with some key goals too. Uh, six goals on the year, uh, three out of the last four games. So nice to see some contributions from her as well. And him were over on the score sheet a couple of times on Saturday with, with a few assists. So um, I'm going to, I'm going to go with Lind. It was nice to see her come, come up with a nice weekend like this. It, I think her season's been a, a strange one, you know, had that injury early in the season and was out for, for a bit. And I think it's kind of affected her. Because uh, we haven't really seen the best of her game like since like the first weekend of the year, and so good to see her maybe get back on track here and yeah, see someone on this team kind of really step up with like you know Gentry is a player that you've mentioned in the past as well. Like again, she's kind of like she's better in terms of from a women's perspective. It's she reminds me of Salquist because she does a lot of the. um intangibles and the, the face-offs and the physicality. She does a lot of the, the plays that don't go on the score sheet. She's what does a lot of, of that kind of gritty uh, work, but it's not exactly translating into points. And I think she's got more of a offensive upside to her game that I'm, I'm hoping we'll see a breakthrough there because sure. someone I think needs to step up with uh, and become like a true offensive force for this team to really emerge. How about you? Who's, who's your pal for this weekend? I mean, I agree. It's Lind, um, but you know, yeah, three game uh, point streak. Um, you know, she did also assist on Farrell's goal um, against Minnesota Duluth um, in that in, the, in their second game. So it's uh, yeah, looking at her kind of history, you know, it's it looks like she's probably had kind of injury concerns throughout the whole team and i feel bad that i don't know for sure that's the case 
So uh, no, I apologize on, on that aspect. Yeah, because there was but, it was Gentry and her were both kind of out at the same time, and one was like an illness, one was an injury, and we never get good reporting as far as what's going on with these players. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, it might it might be injury, might have been illness. I, I can't remember. I have to go back to our old you know October podcast to to verify. Yeah, but in but, any case, she 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 missed some time. Yeah, and then last season. Um, uh, she only played 26 games, so um, that probably had, you know, there probably was something there where she missed 10 games as well. So, um, but, um, you know, just uh, just happy to see her kind of get some, uh, get on the score sheet and and, and make some solid plays. Goasi's uh, Wu also, um selected Lind um and then saying that uh the bank pass uh for the second goal off the glass was amazing and then the lob pass up the middle on the fourth was nothing short of spectacular. So um some really good uh plays by her and also uh, uh gave a little bit of a shout out to her during the skate with the Huskies event. Um where apparently that was a really good um event where a lot of the uh a lot of the women players were there out uh, uh doing autographs and and uh whatnot when i when I covered that event for the chronicle when they did it for the year I was covering I didn't really get a lot out of it because it was like men's and women's teams were doing it at the same time, and you know not only was it like kind of a crowded skate with the huskies, but like all the teammates just kind of gravitated towards each other, so you couldn't really. Like there was just not didn't seem like there was a lot of like opportunity to interact with the fans in that case. So it looks like that uh, was a little bit different, judging by kind of some of the feedback that I got and and whatnot. So, but yeah, so that was um yeah, that's uh, Taylor Lind. I think is a kind of a kind of an easy pick. Um, Anik. Um. Like you said, kind of coming up on the score sheet big as well on on that second game. Uh, it's just it's a little bit tough for me, like I said, because I couldn't see a lot of the second game. Um, I only saw the Friday game, and the Friday game was bad. So, yeah, and we got home on Friday afternoon, so we got a double dip at the uh, Herb on Friday uh, matinee and uh, nightcap, and then they play. 6 p.m. Central at St. Thomas on Saturday. So, circle of calendars. Uh, St. Thomas coming off a weekend where got swept at Wisconsin to lopsided affairs. Not a whole lot to preview in terms of St. Thomas. It's a lot of, we've already kind of mentioned mentioned it. St. Claude struggled with his team uh, to, to yeah. sweep them. The first home and home they had in late november i believe and 17th so, 18th mid-november yeah so right before thanksgiving um one nothing and two nothing wins so i mean have a given up a goal to the uh offensively challenged tommies let's uh that'd be a that'd be a recipe to win two games this weekend not give mm-hmm. up any goals and i i guess that seems to work foolish. out well in hockey <laughs> Yes, I, I feel I feel foolish. Like last week, we were saying like, yeah, let's you know we're, we're going to sweep the Mavericks and let, let's let's see some five to one 
six yeah. to one kind of games. Like we, we had a claw and scratch for a four to two win. And then not to say anything about the loss, which we certainly weren't expecting, but so I guess I can't be greedy, but yeah, I would, I would hate to think that we got to win one, nothing games against this team, uh, this, this time around again, but I don't know. We made their goalies look real good. And, uh, well, let's hope it's not, uh, more of the same, but at least let's just get some wins. That's, uh, that's the number one here. Cause yeah, the, the Mankato loss hurt you, uh, a loss to, the Tommies would be a little worse than uh, a loss to uh, Mankato was. Um, yeah. So let's make it happen uh, and get the job done. Yep, exactly. Um, I realized we kind of flew right over any other um, kind of out-of-town scoreboard stuff for the men um, as well. So men's, women's, just uh, out-of-town scoreboard. I know we talked about the uh, Ohio State-Minnesota uh, result for the women's side. But uh, anything else kind of around the college hockey landscape, both uh, both uh, both genders, kind of that was, uh, kind of struck your fancy? Well, I was, I was keeping you updated because I know CHN's app, it's like all Stonehill games, like, it's just hard to get info on Stonehill. Doesn't matter who they play. It's always the never. or where. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's always a struggle with CHN's app. I, it was actually so bad. Plus, I hate the fact that CHN doesn't their app doesn't update uh, women's games or doesn't have a women's section on it. So I actually went and downloaded the Uscho app. <laughs> that's that's the depths of of my addiction is that I, I downloaded the, uh, the us show app because at least they got the women's scores and pairwise and all that there as well. So, um, you should be able to find it on the, I I guess it is on the iPhone app. I don't know if it is on the, it's not on the Android app. Oh, there was no women's section on the, uh, on the Android app. Yeah. You hit the, yeah. For, for iPhone users, you hit the more section and then it says show men, show women. Yeah, that's not so. available. And going to like the Google store or whatever, it's Woden's like commenting on the sections or the comments. <laughs> and people are like, why aren't there women? He's like, we're working on it for the Android. So it's it's a work in progress. Uh, but oh. anyway, I was keeping you updated because I know you're riveted about our prop bet about Michigan goals over uh, Stonehill. I, I, yeah. I guess the one thing I can say, I, I set a good line because I had it you at did. 19 and a half. And you won because you took the under and it was yes. at 19. It's at Boom. 19 and I can't lose. I, I win 250 gambling. I win your prop bets. Yep. I, I can't lose. And it was at 19 with about five minutes to go in the third. And Michigan had like two and a half minutes of a major penalty still to be on a power play. But they couldn't score that 20th, that elusive 20th goal. Yep. Uh, Stonehill actually had the first goal of the game on Saturday and they had another goal waved off for an offsides review. The first period was a little hairy for Michigan on Saturday, but uh, had to squeak out the seven to one win there to drop Stonehill to Owen 20. That's just with their, that's not counting the uh, Santa or uh, Santa or Anna Maria uh, uh, loss their D three loss. Owen 20 against uh, D one opponents this year. I guess the big kind of shocker, Wisconsin tying Lindenwood. That was a big yeah. one, yep. Uh, Lindenwood had a late lead in that one as well. Third period lead. Uh, 
Wisconsin coming back to take a three to two lead and then Lindenwood tying it at the very uh, last couple of minutes that, I mean, Wisconsin after sweeping Notre Dame last weekend was number one, at least briefly. But with that tie, I think there were three coming in that game. They're at five now. So that tie has cost them a couple of slots in pair wise right right now. So keep an eye on that. If like Wisconsin misses out on a one seed, it might be because of that uh, tie against Lindenwood. Uh, what else we got? Uh, Cornell with a overtime win and a regulation win against Arizona State. Put that on their resume, uh, Arizona <laughs> State's resume. Uh, add that, add a bullet point there. Um, what else did we see? Uh, Maine losing. Good shout out by UConn. Yes. And needing to come back uh, uh-huh. in with uh, down two goals in the third period on Friday, coming back sort of miraculously to win that game uh, against UConn. That's the second game in a row. They kind of tiptoeing through the minefield here because they had a game against uh, Colgate the week before where they were down three, nothing. Uh, and then I had to tie it late the last couple of minutes just to take that game to overtime, salvage a tie against Colgate, but not, not a good team in Colgate. I should add, I think we're kind of seeing a little bit of the, the shoe, the other shoe drop for Maine. Again, I think they're safe for the tournament, but in terms mm-hmm. of like a one seed, which they were sort of positioned for, I think we're kind of seeing them slide down to more of their natural two seed, three seed band. Um, still a good team, but um, not the best weekend for them. I, I thought an interesting series with Providence and BC, two teams that are in pairwise position now. BC just waxing uh, Providence the first game, seven to one. Uh, win at BC, but then Providence comes back as a home and home. They had to come back from a couple of one goal deficits and they end up winning four to three at home on Saturday. A couple of late goals there. I thought that was kind of my secondary game for a while that I was watching. That was a, a, a solid, solid matchup there. You know, I guess in conference, we've mentioned the North Dakota uh, win and overtime loss against Omaha. We see a split with Western Michigan and Miami dropping that second yeah. game uh, at Miami doesn't seem to really be affecting Western Michigan uh, that much. I think they came into the weekend at 10 and they get out of the weekend at 10 as well. So seemingly unscathed by that, uh, by that loss. Um, and then Colorado college and Duluth swap a couple of overtime wins one, one a piece for each team there. And so that uh, that's kind of the wrap up of, of all I got, was there any other results? I mean, I, I kind of blew through the other non-NCAC results. Anything else uh, strike your fancy? Um, Long Island beating Colgate in overtime. So they sweep that series. I think they won one in overtime and one in regulation, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Friday overtime win. Both of them overtime wins, actually. Both of them overtime wins. Sure enough, look at that. So yeah, so. the Shocks, and now they get they get their they get to lick their chops with uh, Stonehill coming coming <laughs> to town. So yep, feeding frenzy. See, see so. how see how uh, much the carnage uh, is in mm-hmm. in that series. Uh, I guess I mean St. Thomas sweeping Michigan Tech. Your uh, yeah bold pick there of the uh, Huskies are taking the CCHA auto bid. Uh, maybe that took a little bit of a, a hit. Uh, this weekend. They still might. I mean, St. Thomas can't get the auto bid, so. Right? Yeah. What a dumb rule. But 
Maybe they so. just have to win the McNaughton to then prove to everybody. Just let us be eligible. Because I still think they got two years after this where they're still ineligible. So yeah. maybe they'll just have to go and win the win the damn thing uh, before they can prove to have them uh, end their ineligible period early. But yeah. Yep. Now, uh, you kind of ran, ran through everything. And then as far as, uh, the, uh, the women's side of it too, pretty much everything else went up to chalk other than that, uh, Ohio state, Minnesota series that was as lopsided as it was. That was kind of the main takeaway that I had. So, uh, let's head over to some questions, uh, that we've got. Um, uh eric uh looks like we're in a goalie tandem again um posh has been fantastic this year making me worry a lot less about uh this being bassie's last year um which i agree with makes me excited for the future um how are we feeling uh for und weekend after they split and we've been successful at home weekend uh recently kind of covered that a little bit i am tempted with my expectations uh andrew is a little bit more bullish when it comes to that um but that is not know, our normal roles, by the way. That is not, not at all. Um, as we, like, at, you know, he brings up, are we in a goalie tandem again? Um, which is kind of an interesting question. Um, uh, are we going back to Bassy Posh now? Is that going to be kind of the thing going forward? Would you like that to be, first off? Do you think Brett Larson would do that second off? Well, that's that's two separate questions. Exactly. Uh, I I mentioned it earlier. I'd be for it uh-huh. uh, if I was going to predict what's going to happen. It, it's really intriguing to me who starts on Friday. Because if it was me, I'd throw Posh in there. But I feel like the coach thing to do would be go back to your veteran. And then if he struggles or loses, let's say, let's just say maybe he even plays all right. But if he loses on Friday, then I think they'd be, he'd bring back Posh on Saturday. But if it was for me, I'd... I'd stick posh in there. Oh. What would you do? Um, I think you go back with Bassie and then posh on. So I think you do go with the. So you do like tandem. a. I do a like kind a of a planned split. Mm-hmm. A plan We're going to give one one game to each. Yep. Yep. Taking a page out of Idolski. Yeah, really. Which is kind of what I was talking about earlier, or earlier, like how many podcasts ago when I want a whole lot to really take the reins, or uh, you know more more so than uh than jojo and then now here i am saying that i want to split for the for the huskies but i mean if we had a whole net here for for the men's side i I don't think that'd be an issue uh but we don't so it's i don't know just something about some of those goals that were kind of let up from bassy kind of irked me and i think maybe getting a little bit of challenge um uh for him uh I, I think would be good with somebody kind of breathing down his neck and, you know, judging by everybody else has been able to step up. You know, we've had the Alcoin step up. We've had, um, grow step up, um, Ryman, which I don't think he really stood out this last weekend, but you know, previously before that he stood up, maybe this is Pasha's turn now too, um, to really pressure for that starting gig. You know, talking about, goaltending in this upcoming series you know we mentioned person for for north dakota and his struggles 
I was listening to the CHN podcast and they were talking about Richter like candidates and a name that they kept bringing up was Jacob Helston. Do you remember that name? Oh yeah. He played he was for with North, North Dakota. He right? was with North Dakota last year. Pretty bad for North Dakota. Cause they went yeah. with him in that series, that home series. Mm-hmm. He would have played. I know he, he, he took over. He relieved uh, DeRitter in one of those games. He might have gotten the start in the Saturday game. I, I know we're, we've already played enough random box score, but <laughs> you could check that on me. But uh, I sort of, I guess I f- didn't realize that he transferred to New Hampshire and he's putting up a pretty good season no for kidding. UNH. Uh, they were in a bit of a tandem early in the season with him and this Tyler Musilic. Uh, and they were kind of going bassy caster esque, kind of one on one off. The interesting there, thing there is Helston's at nine twenty save percentage, one of the best in the country. The Muselic, he's at eight sixty nine. So one guy with the same defensive core in front of him, one guy's like head and shoulders above the other. But you got to think like. North Dakota thinking their their only uh, solutions to their goaltending woes is picking guys off the transfer portal. It's, it'd be very funny and ironic and hilarious and uh, <laughs> like Schadenfreude if they were able to let one lo- lose uh, lose a goalie in the transfer portal and have him turn out to like take mm-hmm. UNH to the tournament for the first time in twenty years. Yeah, that that would be beautiful <laughs> if, if that did happen. maybe have them play North Dakota in the first round, right? It'd uh, be nice. Either that, or maybe that's more evidence that North or that New Hampshire is going to fall off because Helston's probably playing a little bit above his his weight, uh, and it's going to come crashing down to earth here for New Hampshire. I don't know. You could look at it a couple of ways, but right now Helston's got better numbers than Ludwig Pearson. So suck it, Schlossman. Schlossman. <laughs> <laughs> God. I just like saying Schlossman. He's an avatar for the entire fan base. He's, so. a, he's an avatar <laughs> for the fan base. Uh, this is the Suck It Schlossman series. <laughs> right here is every time we play North Dakota. Uh, um, so then when we play Duluth, is it the, the Suck It Siski series? There you go. There you go. <laughs> We, I, like I can i can roll with it um uh Dave jacobson uh will your men's or women's team win a national championship first uh women's is easier from a statistical standpoint but uh less parity overall um i mean yeah you would have asked me about 10 years ago um obviously i i, I would think st cloud would have had a couple of championships by now um from the men's side and it's kind of a poses an interesting question is like, I guess, you know, obviously a lot more teams in men's college hockey, but you've got maybe a little bit more of a recruiting power um, for St. Cloud State. And, you know, you're in mainstay in the tournaments for many years. One of these times, eventually we're going to break through, like eventually. Right. I, I would imagine um, the women's side, obviously you're up and coming. You've, You've got a lot of hype around the program. You've got a, you know, somebody with the at the helm who can really prove to turn things around. And um, 
uh, players seem to really like him um, that, you know, maybe not like him, but they respect him um, because Adelski seems like a really straightforward type of a type of a coach. He was on the uh, yes, uh, I, dump I, and change. I watched it. Yep. yep. I watched it, which um, I, I tried to look for the podcast where we talked about. And I could have sworn we said that he seems like the type of guy who would like big red gum. And sure enough, he confirmed it on that podcast. It was big. Did you ask that question? I did ask that question. Yes. (laughs) So, so again, again, the host, a little bit of a boat. I have to pick. I submitted two questions. You only picked one of them, you know, like, so, so that means you you can't be greedy here. Well, you, that means you saw it. But, you know, like, when... well, what did you ask? Like, why don't you play me more? Like, no, you get, did you ask him a controversial question? I don't think it was controversial. And it was many years ago. I said, tell us your side of the story of what happened with the, you know, when you found out about UND cutting the program. Mm. That's <laughs> that's picking I a feel, wound. I mean, yeah, yeah, but I feel like there's some tea there. And uh, what a perfect podcast to drop it. Yeah, on. but but that's the thing. Like, if you are giving them the option between talk about gum or talk about your former Why employer. Why do I only get you... one? It was an hour long podcast. Who has an hour? But I'm long saying, podcast? like between those two questions, uh, uh, softball, uh, bubblegum question, or literal bubblegum question, or talk about the former employer who you left on acrimonious terms after they pulled the rug out under you, and it's yeah, you're, you're gonna give them the the softy, I think. Yeah, but or I mean, who do you think you are, Bob Woodward? Here, I I'm mean, not... you're. <laughs> Tell him, tell me the story. What happened at North Dakota? Burns. You can get that scoop on Schlossman that we're we're (laughs) sucking it to to Schlossman here. (laughs) Finally get that, that exclusive scoop from, from the horse's mouth here. So you're saying I also shouldn't have submitted the question on, um, how do you feel about a goalie tandem with you and the whole <laughs> Well, you're wondering why they didn't, why they kind of let that one slip. That one I could understand. That one I could understand. It's just and the I, delicacy here of playing the room. I don't, know? You, I don't have that many characters on an Instagram post when I'm submitting a question. I can only, that's how we got it. I was wondering how you're subscribing or submitting these questions. Um, yeah, because I, I don't, like I'm not cool characters. enough for Instagram. I gotta, yeah. I gotta, I gotta find a dummy Instagram account and then (laughs) submit some of these questions. Yeah. So it's, and like the, it was like their second episode or something. And yeah, my my question, because they talked about them transferring and how Jojo said, you know, when I transferred, you know, just before I transferred, you know, I just felt that it was going to be a goalie rotation situation. I felt like I proved that I needed So I wanted a fresh start. So I was like, interesting, because you've been in a goalie tandem situation here. So I'd like to you elaborate on that more. I find that interesting. And then she didn't. But she did get asked when I said I wanted a breakdown of Avery Meyer's goal because she had that goal against St. Thomas where it was she came in and she like, yes. And you wonder which one of those questions (laughs) was picked. Yeah. Like you have a. You have the the hard the hard ball and the softball, and like have them both. It's like a compliment sandwich. 
you know, you say something nice. You say something... I don't know if that's quite the format of, of dump and change. I don't know why we're, we're turning this into a media criticism podcast <laughs> about the dump and change podcast, but I don't know if they're really going for hard hitting, um, self I don't think it's questions. that hard hitting. I don't think it's that hard hitting. I mean, it's, I, I, I found something interesting that Jojo said, and it's a similar situation. How do they compare? I find that interesting. Hey, yes, they pulled the rug out under you. Well, what's your slant? That was what a decade ago. Like, I mean, time oh, is it was like seven years ago. Oh, it was in okay. our first. It was in our up. first uh, iteration of the podcast. I round, I round up, which was just so, like yesterday. Which was oh. just yeah, exactly. So, it was three kids ago for me. Um. <laughs> so, uh, anyway. Back to the fish story. Um, Adelski, like, seems like just a direct person. So w- whether or not you like him or not, he, he seems like he'll he'll never lie or beat her on the bush or anything like that. And you got to respect that. Um, when it, it was an entertaining interview, I'll say that it was. I, I I'm still scared really... of him. I'm still scared. It's of him. yeah. It, it's <laughs> he's got such a weird. I'm not saying like creepy, just a. a off kilter like he he always keeps you what's the ter- like you you're drawn to him like he's mm-hmm. got a magnetism like i put it on the background i was kind of doing work but i kept being pulled to him like i i wasn't really getting much work done because the questions the way that he approaches them again it's the pa- the long pauses and his he really contemplates the question you can kind of see his like brain moving and then he says something very terse but yet like clear and effective he's actually i think i think he's a really good communicator like i i wish i could yeah. communicate like he does but it's just he with the pauses <laughs> yeah with the pauses though it 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 initially i think it comes off as kind of dickish mm-hmm. but it's really not it's it's more contemplative and thoughtful and I, I really, I, I find him kind of a joy to listen to, actually. No. So anyway, the infamous fish story. I can't remember where I was going with Well, what was, yeah, oh, who's the men or the women going to win a natty first? Oh, so, yeah, so, I mean, so you have, you know, what, you know, kind of breaking through, like, what does St. Cloud State need to do? Of, on the men's side to win a natty, what do the women need to do to win a natty? I think the hurdle is harder on the women's side than the men's. So I still think the men are closer, but I think the hurdle's a lot higher for the women's side because we still have to try to break through against Wisconsin, yeah. Ohio State, and Minnesota. Yeah, and, I think that's fair. And especially with Minnesota having two really big recruits that are were on the U18 Canada side, um, even though they, you know, lost in the semifinals and ended up winning bronze, uh, but they're, you know, like two of their main scorers, I think, are U of M commits. So I obviously they're not going anywhere, and with us not having the firepower of offensive side, that's that's where the hurdle remains. Whereas, again, if we keep making the tournament, one of these years we're, we're going to get a flukish <laughs> win. I swear. It's it's gotta happen. Yeah, I mean, right? just, <laughs> Occam's Razor. The men's team has won, has made it to the tournament pretty much every year in the last ten. 
other than one or two. Whereas the women have never made it to the tournament. I just, from that perspective, I would have to give the edge to the, to the men's team. And with the women's team, yes, there's, there's, it's a smaller field. I get what Dane Jacobson is saying and very, uh, a privileged position, I should mention, from Dan Jacobson, who is a fan of one of the few teams to win both a women and a men's like yeah. multiple natties. So I'm, I know you sleep well at night, Dan, with, <laughs> with that knowledge of those, what, eight combined natties. So good for you. You were a big part of those. Um, yeah. yeah. But, Thank, uh, thanks. For, thanks for bringing that up. I, I appreciate yeah. it. Nice little subtle kind of way to rub the salt in the wound there. But but. Uh, yeah, I mean, just making the tournament's been a 20 plus year struggle for the Huskies and they're not obviously convincing we're it's not, it's far from being clinched this year. Uh, but then you, you mentioned the hurdle of Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa state, but I look at Ohio state. I mean, they used to be bottom feeder in the WCHA yeah. and what ha- what turned their program around hiring a coach that was able to bring high class recruits and they were nothing before Muzzerall came there. And yeah, they were really bad. Now they're at a point where they are stomping the Gophers in Ritter. So I, it's possible and it's going to be a bit from, it's going to take a while until the St. Cloud perhaps gets to that level. But I think that gives a team like St. Cloud hope and with feel like we got the, the guy, the right coach in place. Mm-hmm. We can now see where he's going to take this program. And that's like the best case scenario you can look at Ohio state as far as like what this program can be. So certainly crossing my fingers, but I, I, I will agree with you that I, I give the uh, men's team the, the slight edge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, SD Packard three with the Canadian flag. So one of our Canadian listeners, maybe, or we'll forgive you for that. <laughs> um, apologies on the uh, yeah. U- U18 women's team, by the way. Uh, uh, can you touch on the short decor um, on the women's side? Uh, yeah. And, and that's, you know, for a team that doesn't have a lot of offensive firepower, you know, obviously having that strong decor has helped and the strong goaltending top-notch goaltending we've had is a key part of that too. But being really shorthanded, I would say since Grace Wolf especially went down because I was loving her game uh, before that yeah. injury. So, um, you know, when we're running through that decor overall, I really like how they are. Um, there's just not enough bodies there. Like, you know, against Wisconsin, I think we had only five dressed and one of them was Himlerova. So it was, you know, when it comes to really all of the players who has gotten regular time, I'm comfortable with all of them on the ice. Um, I thought, you know, we praised Ross a few times. Um, Millwater, I think has had, had, um, you know, a, a good season as well. Um, and Himlerova, like I would like her up front um, more, but I don't feel like that's going to be in cards for the rest of the season. Um, and I think she is mainly going to be defense um, coming back. But um, 
uh, I think Taylor Larson is solid back there. Um, it was Carmen Bray's first couple of games and thought she looked pretty good. So it's overall, um, and I didn't even mention Ella Anik, um, who's been a great, she was a transfer from Bemidji, I believe, right? Yes. So, I mean, she's been incredibly strong too. So like the decor, I think is incredibly solid. Um, I would just, the depth wise isn't normally what it is. Usually when you think of there's not enough depth, you have bodies. They're just not up to par here. I think actually we have a really strong team, all of them on defense. I don't really know who the weakest link is, but they're just not all healthy at the same time. And that's always really tough um, to kind of combat. And I think overall they're doing an admirable job. Um, but, you know, that can just kind of lead to maybe a little bit of a hiccup or inconsistencies like it. But I don't know. Well, yeah. It's, and, and, it's, and it's the, a tough situation. The margin for error is just that much thinner. Exactly. Like yep. Playing with 5D some of these games. And so if we have a further injury, what do you do there? Um, we, you know, so you mentioned Wolf has been out since Mankato. And I think I've mentioned this before because that Mankato series at Mankato in October, or November, that was the first series. Remember that we've had both Gentry and Lynn back. We made a big deal of that. It's like finally healthy. Mm-hmm. Well, then what happens after Wolf has a really good weekend? She's hurt and she's, as it looks like, done for the year. So it's like this team's always been chasing injuries, haven't really been full 100% health all year. Now that's majority of teams are, are not going to be 100% healthy from day one to the end of the season. So uh, it's not uncommon, I suppose, to be in the situation. But uh, also mentioning that they had a regular defenseman last year, Regan Bulger. She's been hurt all season and looks like, sounds like she's out for the year as well. I mean, so that's another body that, that you're down. They had been playing uh, this Jaden Britt. Uh, she was playing the tail end of the first half. Like she played both the Duluth games and that Minnesota home game uh, at the uh, beginning of December. She played all three of those games, but she didn't play either of these games against Mankato. So I don't know if there's an injury there. Again, part of this is that we just don't have the information as far as injuries. No great reporting. So I'm not sure if she's a health concern again they sounds like they took the red shirt off of bray and she played this weekend as we mentioned earlier in the show i think she looked pretty good and kind of excited to see what what she can develop into i think last year i think they had scribner playing some defense last year as well with him larova sometimes uh, feeling back there um, and you've mentioned him larova being more of a regular at the back end since the wolf injury so you might be seeing things like that weird, you know, out of position players playing back there just because of the shorthandedness they have of the unit. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it has been a strength. I, I agree. It, it has been a strength this year. And obviously defensive core, your goaltenders are the most important pieces of that unit. And they've been, you know, phenomenal all season. And so it's just going to be interesting. Just, Body-wise, how are we going to field a lineup each game here with the uh, 
with the wounded unit that we have. And it'll be interesting to see exactly what they do as far as where Himmelrova plays. And it might even be game to game, you know, shift to shift. We might see Himmelrova play up front for a power play situation, play the remainder of the game in the back. Like it's going to be kind of creative here, yeah. I think. Uh, and it's kind of fun. It's kind of a, a, an intriguing wrinkle. It'd be nice to just have the luxury of having fully healthy defensive core, but this kind of makes them force them to be unique and approach it in some unusual ways. Like I said, it's gotten to a point this season where you're in pairwise position. So it's worked so far, even how scrambling you may have been to cover shifts back there throughout the season and having to dip into a red shirt with Bray already. Let's hope that they don't need to take another red shirt off. I know there's a couple of freshmen for next year that's already listed on CHN's roster. So, I mean, they have emergency contingency plans. Hope you don't have to to do that again. But, yeah, it's just, it's going to be another uh, interesting story to see how it uh, unfolds. And it is a, it is a testament to how well that that unit has held up so far because it has not been what the plan was. And a lot of been doing this on the fly and, it's good to know that they got the personnel to step up and and uh, contribute some quality quality minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric uh, Zamora, uh, best SCSU hockey song. Um, interpret that how you will. If it's a song that makes you think of Husky hockey, intro, outro song, um, certain moment uh, you've always heard at games. Um, I know we talked about songs a little bit last one, and he was the one that originally posed that question um, in the last podcast. And the reason why is actually he um, uh, cl- created a playlist that he put together uh, that he played for, um, uh, you know, he gets together like some some uh, hockey tournaments and he'll go around, you know, some of those fundraising tournaments and go around and play so he's got like scsu jerseys so that's what the team is and and so he always played a bunch of those songs that are kind of mainstays so just kind of saying like what what song do you think of when you think of huskies hockey and ironically my song isn't one that is a huskies hockey song per se but it's uh queens don't stop me now and that's because after every win i tweet that out and I listen to it um, because I just think that's a great song. Is there a reason that that you picked that? That not. I think it's just because I've always been a real big fan of Queen, and I think like some of the I mean, of Queen's uh, discography, it's not like the obvious exactly victory song. Obviously, yeah. we are the champions all that but so you're you're going a little bit deep cut but a, a, a not super obscure so i yeah. I, I, get, I i think i get your psychology here that's how you yeah. landed and i this. also think like if they ever do some kind of a poll of like you know hey you know rock and roll part two maybe we should you know axe that because you know you know the whole gary glitter being a pedophile thing maybe we should move past that song I would throw Don't Stop Me Now in there. I think you can get a good 45-second clip of that that could really get the crowd going after a goal. So. I guess I would have to listen. I mean, I've heard the song, obviously, but I 
I'm wondering what it doesn't strike me as like a post goal song. Like there doesn't seem to be a a great swelling. But again, I, I might I, I'll have to listen to it tonight to see if there is like a good having a good a, time, having a good time. Just don't stop you can, you me can do now. Like Such a good time having a ball. Don't stop me now. Like just, I, I think you could do it, and think you could work some sieves in there too. It might be. But, it just. It might be a better post victory song rather than a post goal song. Yeah, but the game stops there. then. <laughs> like, don't stop me now. But then the game's over. Like the fact that you got a goal. It's yeah, like, that's, don't that's stop true. me now. Like I'm having a good time. We're gonna keep the ball rolling here. All right. Well, then We're let's just get do more don't, don't stop by Fleetwood Mac. You could do that. Don't don't stop thinking about tomorrow. No, maybe thinking that about, for like. Thinking about the hockey game, we can we can change the lyrics a little bit. Change, we could have some fan artistic licensing. Now. Yeah, <laughs> just uh, just kind of change that. So you um, mentioned it, by the way. And have you ever heard? I'm not. I'm one who can separate the art from the artist, so I'm not going to wade in the gear glitter aspect of it. But have you ever heard Rock and Roll Part One? I have not. It's got lyrics. Uh, and it's got like the same beat. It's really weird. Interesting. Okay. And then I think what I was reading is Rock Roll Part 2 is just a throwaway track. And I, I mean, there's it's the same backbeat, but all they do is, hey, hey, they just say, hey, the whole time. Sure. And how that's become like the one of the more popular stadium anthems. It's just a weird song. All through like listening to part one and part two back to back they're they're separate on their album too and so it's just a weird song all 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 together i'm not one to say i i'll i'm fine with it i really don't care it's just it's like it's too overdone like i wouldn't mind just getting a new one to be a little bit unique so that's kind of my aspect of it but yeah, if you want a weird, because it's it's got like that uncanny valley aspect to it. Sure. Yeah. If you want to have a weird moment, check out <laughs> Rock and Roll Part One because it's All a right. weird one. All right, I'll, I'll I'll look at that. Um, and then the last question um is uh, from a uh, voice um, I guess I don't know voice box or overhead announcer Jason Bryant. I guess I don't know what his official job title. Uh, would the be. voice of God. The, vo- the voice of God. I love it. <laughs> the voice of God, Jason Bryant. Um, identify the parts of the Mighty Ducks that are both true to Minnesota living and absolutely impossible. Signed and import. Um, Where is Jason Bryant from? I don't know. I feel tell tell us, Jason Bryant. Tell us, Jason. I knew he was new to St. Cloud. I, I guess I didn't know he was... Uh, not a native Minnesotan. I guess he's a big wrestler, wrestling fan. So wrestling. Uh, I think like wrestling's a little. A little I think like popular. real wrestling, though not 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 Ted Turner wrestling. So that's wrestle. That's wrestling. wrestling. You got to enunciate every single letter. Whereas Virginia, the, look at that simple Google search. Virgi- the state, yes. of Virginia. What part is it? Uh, D.C. or more like Appalachia? Uh, let us let us know. I would imagine Appalachia because it's a Pequoson, Virginia. Okay, okay. I really that's hope that's actually um... Virginia is for 
blank. It's their motto. Do you know what it is? It's like on their license plates. Virginia is for lovers. Very good. good I don't trivia. know why I know that. Kind of a weird motto for a state. Yeah, maybe but... that's why it kind of sticks out. Kind of like live free or die kind of a kind of a thing. Yeah, so. it wouldn't make the best Die Hard sequel subtitle. Mm-hmm. Like Die Hard 5, Virginia's for lovers. <laughs> Maybe we can make it happen. I don't know. I think you could do kind of a cool twist on like a horror genre. It's like Virginia is for lovers and maybe like the person name is Virginia and like the last name is love. Or, but but like, it's like they have like Courtney love. There we go. (laughs) So. um, Uh, What was this question? Oh, Mighty Ducks. Mighty Ducks. Well, first off, uh, what? uh, Gordon Bombay and Pee Wee scored 198 goals that season. No. I mean, that's like <laughs> a, a, a general season of peewee hockey is probably like 30 some games. So well, fact... it's probably not that wrong because there's there's at least some kid on a peewee team who's claiming he scored 198 goals. I mean, I guess because he's like counting practice too. yeah, I mean, that's like seven goals a game. And that's not counting the tournament game or when they face the Hawks and the and score was the only pipe. four to three. So at max, he had three when he normally would have had to average like seven goals a game to get that. So that's wrong. Um, one. All right. Peewee's one. only having like six districts. I mean, maybe like a section. So that's a little bit different there. In district five, it's like the state. Title, so the state doesn't go. It's not just. Maybe it was the, just like, like a metro. It had to have been a metro, but they, I mean, let's play hockey covered it. Like it was the state. That's right. (laughs) I mean, it was fun. I guess that's one. Does, does let's play hockey. Is that still in publication? I think so. Actually. Um, You know, print media is dying. Yeah. That's, that's a good, I feel like, I mean, going off the fly here, it feels like the original was, it wasn't like embarrassing. Like you can tell they never went to Minnesota ever. Um, cause there's some that I remember I gave up. Did you ever watch the TV show Fargo? Oh yeah. This the series. Mm-hmm. I gave up on it. Is the one season where it was like partially set in St. Cloud, but a big plot point was that someone got Eden Prairie and Eden Valley mixed up. Yeah. I'm like, no Minnesotan would ever <laughs> confuse those two. It lost me. It was like, it was too. Uh, that, that's what lost you. Not the tornado yes. with the fish. And not the UFO at the end of season two. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of hate three. watched that show for the main, for the most part. I didn't really care for it. Man, I didn't my, watch a ton my it, wife but... is going to rage quit this show right here because of this right now. Because she's so, a big fan. Big fan of Fargo. Big, big, big. Fan. Fan. Well, I mean, I like the not, idea not, of it. Maybe I like a, the idea of doing a, a different cat, like an anthology. I like the concept is the from what i've watched the uh execution has been lacking i don't know i've i've i loved season one and two three i love the acting i didn't really care for the premise and was like, three it, the one where three was, was the one yeah, yeah. So ewan mcgregor yeah and, and, yeah okay yeah. that's where i'd be the, the whole parking lot and i'm like yeah four i actually didn't watch um the one then, that just I think i'm watching five one, now and i'm only a two episodes in right now and i'm loving it so far i, I think so. it's been getting is john ham in that one john ham's in it juno temple um 
I think it's been getting good reviews, but so. yeah, I'm so behind on. I mean, I got so many '70s films to catch up on. So <laughs> they're not. I don't. Watch I'd like to watch. I mean, I'd like so. bring up the Mighty Ducks. I'd like to watch it again because it's been yeah. a while. But I remember the. Um, as far as like good things, I got Charlie's mom sleeping with the coach to get better playing time. Yep, that's totally true. <laughs> so. Almost like too true. That was probably like <laughs> above the curve, ahead of the curve <laughs> at the time, but. Uh, uh mickey's yeah, diner they, was open um and now mickey's closed, diner and so. i i still have you ever eaten there yep they have excellent have. pancakes yeah I, they some do. of the i'm not a big pancake guy i still would think that their pancakes might be my favorite uh if you can never small. get a seat there because it's no, tiny there's yeah. like 30 seats total like it's counting their two booths and all the stools they have but if you ever can go there it's worth it i mean it's close now so it is like for, oh, yeah. for good for good Really? Yeah. Did COVID I kill think, it? Or? I, yeah. Oh, that's I, a shame. I did not know that. Yeah, I think I think maybe it's for sale. But I don't know. Someone's got to scoop that up. That's been in other movies, too. Mm-hmm. Other movies that were filmed there. But another one that I would say is, because I've used it since I've moved away, the cake eater thing. Oh, yeah. People don't really get that. And I think that's a specific and any Dinah in particular. That's I think that's one that they kind of nailed. Uh, that's kind of a Minnesota specific thing. I feel which, like the first the first which, film is is like the most true to the state. Like it kind of got cartoonish in part two. Um, and we, there's plenty of uh, aspects of that, like the idea of like a national Bantam select team. <laughs> picking a kid that couldn't stop like he had all these skills he just couldn't stop and we had to set up the the wall of pop cans for him yeah. to train him to stop like that's a little ridiculous two, two minutes for roping <laughs> <laughs> like um roll and they were probably how many i'm sure has anyone done the research on how many times offsides they were when they're doing the flying v um, because I bet they were offsides yeah, a couple of times. Yeah, they, they, they were offsides probably all of the time. So, <laughs> yeah, by the it? way, Flying V wouldn't work as a hockey player. No, no, so, not at all. What nor, was, the, was the second one? The was that the puck. one? With so, the knuckle puck? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that would never work. <laughs> so easily defended. Yeah, so. Um, uh, the, it reminds me see. of some, there was a, there was a podcast that I listened to, they would do like, it might still be going for all I know. It would do like 20 to 30 minute episodes. They're real easy, but it's, I think it's called quack attack. Oh yeah. And it was, yep. it was all, it was like four dudes. I don't even think they were real big hockey fans, but no. they just love. They weren't movies. from Minnesota either. No, but they would go into it. Like, who was the guy? Like, who was the guy who's like the businessman who's trying to make them happen in the second movie? It was like, Mr. Pickles. He had some weird name, and they kept they kept like dissecting him and getting his like psychology of him as if he was, you know, Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs or something. It was just over analyzing to death, but to a comedic effect. And again, I don't know if they still are. It seemed like a bit that would probably die on the vine after a little bit, but that was like seven eight years ago. I remember listening to those and having a fun time. Tibbles. Mr. Tibbles. <laughs> yep. Tibbles. So. And the whole premise of him being sentenced to coach a hockey team to get out of his Dewey. 
I mean, that's pretty okay. Minnesota, well, I guess. It's, it's not to get out of his Dewey. It's his customer service or not his customer or, service. Uh, it's community it's, service. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Community service. So, so did I that, mean, did it still go on his record or by doing oh, this with, with that? I mean, I would imagine it? it's, I mean, I would imagine it's still on his record. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, you could drive your limo out on the ice. That's fine. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I mean, not this year, don't do it this year, but like, I mean, maybe now after this week, I mean, right now I think it's like 10 below hurts a little, right now. A nippy. So, yeah. yeah. But, um. Did you see that there? There they did a thirty for thirty maybe a year or two ago about the Mighty Ducks. Uh, you know the 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 high the actual high the pro hockey team. Oh yeah, I, I don't know if I would even recommend it. It was I thought it was one of the weaker thirty for thirties because the more interesting like it is kind of fascinating to stand back and think because this was like a out of nowhere hit for Disney, mm-hmm. and it ended up spawning the name of a professional sports franchise. Yeah, that's pretty wild. And it was very quick. Like it all came together very, very quickly. And the problem with the documentary is they sort of they did that. They focused on that. And then they sort of like in the last 10 minutes, they rushed into like the 2003 playoffs. It would give me PTSD about them beating (laughs) the wild. And then they're like, yeah. And then they changed the name to the Ducks and they won the cup. And that was the end of the story. Kind of just rushed through the rest of their history. Just like stick to the first year or something. It would have been better, but it was still kind of interesting, too. Um, but also it was originally like an independent film script, which is why so. it started out with him getting a DUI and it's like, all right, you're going down to the station, blood, breath, or urine. No, thanks. I'm full. Like <laughs> you wouldn't get that in a Disney movie. Right. So they, but they left in some of that elements, which is probably why. And but the nudie magazine and just. It's the mailman. <laughs> so uh, I got to watch it again because uh, it's been a while and it's no. pretty, pretty good. Yeah. So it's. um, Yeah, I, I would say some of it, um, you know, right at the beginning of D2 where they're rollerblading, getting the team back together. You can pinpoint all of the landmarks. Oh, okay. That whole path makes no sense. You're bouncing around between Minneapolis and St. Paul yeah, over true. and over again. Um, and then not only and that, Bloomington too, and Bloomington in the Mall of America. So is Camp Snoopy? I mean that that's probably got some nostalgia there because I think that that's all kind of changed. It's like well, it's not like whatever Nickelodeon Nickelodeon universe universe yeah. or whatever. But I bet a lot of those original rides. Like my dad worked at, like he built part of the a couple of the stores in the mall of America. So we went there a bunch in the first couple of years. And there was remember the haunted or the miss. Did you ever go to the mystery? Mystery mine ride. Yep. We would we would like stand in a line for an hour to get to that thing. And mm-hmm. just, and it would still be worth it. Like, I remember that place just being a zoo. I'm sure it still is, but I, yeah. I bet a lot of the shine has worn off a little bit. And to watch it now, to watch the mighty ducks, I bet all of that's different. All, all that's Snoopy different stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yep. There's there's actually a lot more in there now. They've crammed it so much. Um but I want to go back to you know your term for cake eater too and how that's really evolved. <laughs> um because like the fact that in D one where in D one, it's just the mighty ducks. It didn't it, change it. It works. Too, I, I knew what you, know you were what saying. I mean. Like the OG. Like like he lives 
Adam Banks lives on Hennepin Avenue. Like that's the address. And it's like, that's, you know, the lake's not the boundary anymore. You know, so the, the whole point was like, he's actually in this district. This is how you play by the rules. And like some of that politicking, I would imagine, yes, completely yes, yes. is is a hundred percent true. What what happened? Like the the lengths that youth hockey parents would go to to get in the quote unquote right program is asinine. Um, but you know, and then in D two, when they're talking about we have that, who do you play for? Where do you come from? Kind of moment. We're all Team USA, which you know. Then they went to Miracle and did the same thing. But you know, whatever. That's an aside as well. Um, it, you know, Adam Banks jumps up and says he's from Edina, Minnesota. When that's not the case, and actually, when they redraw the lines in the first one, so it's a little bit of a continuity error. Um, error. But at the same time, I think just the term cake eater evolved so much that he was a cake eater in the first movie, even though we lived on Hennepin Avenue. Um, But then they just like, since that term was just co-opted by everyone to be like, oh, he's rich. So Edina is rich. So therefore Edina people. So they changed it indeed to that he's from Edina. So I just found that kind of interesting that a little bit of like the parlance did change on such a local term, changed that whole trajectory of the trilogy really is kind of blows my mind. How's that for a quack attack type breakdown? <laughs> that's that's good. And so. I think the co the coach Riley, the the Lane Smith character, there's definitely coaches <laughs> oh, like that. God, yes. Uh I'm not sure because I had to Google it to get the exact quote. But it's not worth winning if you can't win big. You can't win big. (laughs) (laughs) Such a great line. Yep. Um, Oh, and also all those banners, like over. Yeah, again, maybe section champs. Which again, if you cheat and draw the lines and politic your way to get the lines how you want, yeah, you probably have that many section banners, not state titles. Repeat. Like, there's too much. There's too much parody. Even back then, even when Gordon Bombay was on the ice, yep, yeah. uh, uh, it's good. So this is. I, I hope that's that answered uh, <laughs> Jason's <laughs> question. Twenty minutes later, yeah, exactly. I, 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 I'll watch. I want to watch that again. Oh, that's like, oh, it's so good stuff. You know, people sometimes you know people watch the Lord of the Rings trilogy um, around uh, around Christmas. I think I should start a new trilogy where i watch the mighty ducks over so it's it's kind of like the godfather though where the third one does it even count i feel like it's just d1 and d2 you don't have i mean i think emilio has a brief cameo in the third one yeah he but has... it's jeffrey nordling it's it's a step down from the the big time and so i almost like to think of it as just a a the first two i maybe i'm i've been oblivious to the to the franchise for all i know they've added direct-to-video sequels after three that's certainly possible i I was surprised when i learned that home alone was up to like four or five (laughs) and i was like oh i missed those so they they did have a tv series um mighty ducks game changers that brought back emilio estevez um for the first season when so, was that? 
Was that like when, back in the nineties or was that somewhat recently? No, that was like 2019 on Disney. Really? Plus. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Had no idea. And then COVID happened. And then immediately Osved was like, I'm not getting a COVID vaccine. And then they like wrote him out what? for season two. So you wrote out Emilio Estevez. And then what was the premise then? Was it just him also coaching, you know, peewees? Um, or was it like some, like, you know, he had, uh, was it Joshua Jackson come back and it's like a grown up Charlie? No, John, and- Joshua Jackson said no to the, to the project. Um, but it was, he, uh, like ran, he was like a maintenance guy at a rink. It was kind of a rundown rink. And who just, Bombay was doing Bombay. this. Yeah. Okay. So, and then it was just a new, a new set of kids. It and then I think okay. some of the cami, like there were some cameos from like guy who played Averman and Julie, the Goldberg and Goldberg did not. He is oh. in a lot of issues. So hopefully he can get sober. Um, That's basically legal? the only thing. Legal yeah. issues. Boy, uh, but uh, I can't remember. Actually, I think they may have alcohol and drugs. That. I think. So. I think they may have mentioned that on that thirty for thirty about mm-hmm. the uh, the Mighty Ducks. Yeah, and that rings a bell. So, so. But. Well, that about does it. <laughs> this episode of the Mighty and Ducks uh, recap hour. <laughs> so thanks, Jason, for that question. Um. You can find me at, well, at more clappers, <laughs> M-O-A-R, more clappers. Andrew, where can they find you? Andrew at greenground.com as well as email huskies, hockey podcast at gmail.com. You can send me an email and I'll send you one back. Perfect. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. And until next time, go Huskies. Woo.